0: Well, thank you everybody so much. It is the 7th of November, 2010. I hope you're doing very well. Uh, I had a speech yesterday at the Ontario Libertarian Party's annual general meeting, which was, uh, I think, very well received. And uh, people were following me out into the parking lot to chat with me in the car, which was nice. I eventually just had to drive over people to get away. But uh, I'm trying to work that into UPB. We'll figure out one way or another. I just wanted to very brief follow-ups on some of the questions I received from last week's UPB call, uh, which I thought were, were interesting. The first is to say uh, people would say that UPB is sort of a a negative theory, in that it says you know violations of property rights are bad, violations of um, a person's uh, is bad, uh, but it doesn't really talk much about positive. Uh, virtues, and uh, I would agree with that to some degree. Uh, I don't. You can't obviously enforce positive virtues. You can't force someone to be courageous because that's a contradiction, right? Because you would only somebody would only submit to your force because he was afraid of the effects, and therefore you would be using fear to try and create courage, which would not be uh, would not be obviously logically sustainable. So, given that you can't use force to create positive virtues, they do fall into the realm of aesthetically preferable actions. Now, there, there are two main points that I wanted to mention in response to the fact that APA is a negative theory. First of all, it's not a criticism. <laughs> that, that's just uh, people think it's negative or, or have attached a label called negative to it. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether it's negative or positive or polka dotted or black or white or sounds fluent in uh, Spanglish or Esperanto or uh, Orkish. Uh, it does, those things don't matter at all whether it's a positive or negative theory, all that matters, all that matters, all that matters is whether it's true or false. Whether it is internally consistent and whether the evidence supports the theory. I mean, it's it's like saying that Einstein's theory of relativity is rigid because it requires that the speed of light be constant. The word rigid has no bearing whatsoever on the truth or falsehood of a scientific proposition, uh, and it has no validity uh, in terms of positive or negative on an ethical uh, theory. So that's uh, that's the first thing I would say. The se- okay, there's three points. The second point is there still is a confusion, and it's not a confusion that a majority of people have. So I don't know that it's inherently flawed within the book, but it certainly is confusing enough people that I'll clarify it here again, that when I talk about the evidence for universally preferable behaviour right because i say that logical consistency is first required for a theory and this is not I mean, this is nothing spectacular to my thinking this is just general philosophical principles and science and engineering and mathematics and right a theory has to be logically consistent before anything but there should also be some physical evidence for the theory and the physical evidence doesn't have to be a 100%, but there should be some evidence for the theory. Right, so if I've got a theory of gravity which says things fall down, I don't want to get overly technical, it doesn't really matter what the theory is. If I have a theory of gravity which says things fall down, then you know, people will look around the world and say, yeah, you know, my, my throbbing toe indicates that you can drop a bowling ball on your extremities. Things do tend to fall down. Now, <laughs> without a doubt, some bright spark is going to look at a helium balloon trailing along a ceiling and say, aha, you see, things don't always fall down and therefore your theory is false. Well, of course, the theory of gravity fully encompasses uh, air pressure and displacement and helium balloons being lighter than air and moving upwards and so on. Now, if you have a theory of gravity called things fall up, which contradicts just about everybody's just about universal experience, it doesn't necessarily mean that the theory is false, but it does mean that you've got a hugely high burden to climb. And this goes all the way back to Aristotle. And uh, Aristotle, of course, said that if you can prove that murder is moral, or or if using your ethical theory it can be proven that murder is moral, it kinda doesn't matter. what your reasoning is, you've gone wrong somewhere. You've just gone wrong somewhere, because every civilized society in the world bans murder, at least under some some circumstances. Uh, Even killing someone's slave in ancient Athens was, you know, was like Bad because you're destroying somebody's valuable property. Uh, certainly, killing the masters was very bad for the slaves and so on. So, uh, almost all societies ban theft in 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 certain circumstances and ban murder in certain circumstances, and they allow it in others through taxation and war and so on. But in civil law, right, theft, rape, murder, assaults, these are all generally bad things. And so, when I was talking about universally preferable behavior. I was uh, talking, uh, so I I needed to show some evidence that there is such a thing in the world. And so I I talked about people prefer to eat. Most most societies or all societies that I know of ban murder uh, in, in their legal systems if they have one, and theft and rape and so on. And so these are indications that universally preferable behavior is a concept that people have in the world. Now, of course, people then came back to me and said, but anorexics, don't like to eat, and therefore your theory is invalid, (laughs) which is like saying helium balloons go up, and therefore any theory of physics is invalid, right? But that's, I mean, the problem I have with people like that is is that's hasty. That's very, very hasty. I try not to debate with people who think I'm an idiot, not because I'm particularly insulted. Perhaps I am an idiot, but just because if I'm an idiot, then they shouldn't debate with me, right? Uh, I don't debate with people I think are idiots. I mean, I just don't because it's sort of pointless. It's, it's an embarrassing thing to do. It's, uh, it's like me having a, a drawing contest with my daughter. I mean, unless you want one spider leg that wanders all over the paper, you're not going to get much out of my daughter in the way of drawing accuracy. Although maybe that would be a Jackson Pollock picture from a certain aspect. Uh, I try not to have running races with turtles. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's an embarrassing and ridiculous thing to do. And so if people think that I'm an idiot then I don't debate with them. I mean, because it's it's pointless. I mean, it's almost for their benefit, than, more for their benefit than for mine. It's just not very edifying, to say the least. So, you know, when I say uh, uh, people don't like murder or society's, most societies ban murder, then when people come up with the inevitable exception and then say, aha, this must be news to Steph, <laughs> this must be news to Steph that murders exist in the world. It must be news to Steph that some people don't eat, people on hunger strikes, uh, 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 people who are anorexic, uh, they, they choose not to eat. It must be, it, it must be uh, news to Steph that, uh, that people don't respect property rights sometimes and steal apples when they're hungry and uh, the wealth of a nation when they're warlike. And the reason that I have a tough time responding to that is that, I mean, I, I don't know what to say with people who, to people who point out the obvious. And assume that I don't know something as simple as murders exist and property rights are violated. If people think I don't know that, then they really shouldn't be debating with me. Because I think that even people with an IQ of about 85 are aware that bad people in the world do bad things to others. (laughs) So, uh, I think that uh, if you go to your average uh, four-year-old and say, have you ever seen one child push another and make them cry, they're going to say yes. So, if somebody's you know, grandly deigning to inform me that people in the world do bad things an ethicist like informing an ethicist that people in the world do bad things. I just don't know what to say. I mean, it's just an assumption of such primeval ignorance on my part that uh, I'm going to spare them the ridiculousness of trying to debate with somebody who's obviously typing with his forehead uh, because he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Of course, To tell an ethicist that people do bad things is also a a ridiculous thing because the only reason somebody comes up with a theory of ethics is because of an awareness that there are bad people in the world doing bad things. It's like saying to a nutritionist, you know, some people don't always eat that which is healthiest for them. As if this is (laughs) great news to somebody who spent 20 years studying, or 25 years studying nutrition. I mean, the only reason you study nutrition is because you're aware that you and others sometimes make poor choices uh, in the world So about, about what they eat. So I I just, of course, of course there are people who do bad things. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I didn't say universally preferred, but rather universally preferable. So uh, that's, um and, and the last thing that I wanted to say about UPB. Oh, I think I spent too long at that point. Let me just pause for a moment and make sure I remember what it is I wanted to say. Oh yes, so people say it's a negative theory. And let me make the case that it's not. I mean even if that were a valid argument, but but if people have a problem with it from an aesthetic point of view. So let's say that UPB were accepted. And that as a result we had uh, no governments. We had no wars. We had no religion because UPB A racist religion, right? Because in in religion we say my God is true, other gods are false. But that's a non-UPB compliant statement. We would have no child abuse. Child abuse is hugely against UPB. There would be no rape, and there would be no theft. Now, if all that UPB achieved was the ending of war and unjust imprisonment and rape and theft and murder and assault and child abuse and through APA, things like verbal abuse, humiliation, that kind of bullying. Let's say that that's all that UPP achieved and we had a world without the endless stain of these bottomless crimes. Is that not good enough for people? (laughs) I mean, what kind of standard do you have for a moral theory? then its successful implementation only rids the world of rape, murder, theft, assault, war, unjust imprisonment, torture, and other forms of abuse. I think it may be an unrealistically high standard to say, well, if that's achieved, that's only a negative result. It's not a positive result. Well, I think it damn well is a positive result. (laughs) So I think that is an enormously positive result. If we could live to see such a world, we would truly believed that we had stepped through the portal of death into the glowing grand fields of heaven. In a world where people respected property and personhood and children did not violate the natural boundaries of other people's stuff and flesh. My God, wouldn't that be paradise? So uh, just a uh, – oh, okay, one more point very quick and then we'll get to the call. Sorry about this. Uh, I still get the argument uh, – I got some in my inbox, I got some on YouTube which says two people in a room can murder each other at the same time. They can both stand and 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 point guns at each other and pull triggers and murder each other at the same time. No, they can't. And it doesn't take a lot of thought to recognize this. They simply can't for two reasons. One, practical. The second, rational. The first is that they can't murder each other at the same time because they're not going to hit the exact same organs, or even if they do, they're not going to cause the exact same damage because of fat composition and age and so on. And even if they call the exact same damage, the time of death will never be exactly the same. It simply won't be. If you go down to the hundredth of a millisecond, the time of death is not going to be exactly the same for both parties. Even if they try as much as humanly possible to kill each other at the same time, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So that's the first uh, response, which is pretty obvious. Now, the other one, which takes perhaps another 30 seconds thought, is to recognize that two people cannot logically murder each other in the same room at the same time. Why? Because murder is an unwanted action on the part of the victim. If it's not unwanted, if it's desperately craved, then it's called euthanasia, which is another moral question entirely, but certainly not the same as murder. And so if you have Bob and Doug in a room, and they're both magically able to murder each other or shoot each other and have each other die at exactly the same moment, and it seems so ridiculous to answer these kinds of questions, but that's where people's thinking is, so here we go. So let's say that they are able to magically kill each other at the same time. Well, the problem is that the act of pulling the trigger must be both wanted and unwanted by both parties at the same time. So Bob must want to kill Doug, and Doug must want to kill Bob as a positive moral virtue. At the same time, they must not want to be killed. Otherwise, it's not murder, but rather mutual euthanasia, which is not in the same moral category as murder. We can all, I think, understand that. And so UPB destroys the concept of two people murdering each other in the same room at the same time because murder is both a positive value in that you must pull the trigger and want to kill the other person and a negative value in that it must be not wanted in order to be murdered. And so it can't be both a positive and a negative value and therefore it cannot be a good. So it cannot be universally preferable because it's not in that situation. So, I just wanted to mention that, uh, and look, people, I mean, <laughs> the book's out there, you know, just take a moment to, th- to think about it first, you know, just draw it out. Just don't automatically go into question mode. It's worth thinking about it for yourself. I just sort of wanted to point that out. So, Ah, let's see here. Question about UPB. Uh, the coma test seems to imply that a neutral is equal to a good. Maybe it's just me missing the no positive obligations principle. In terms of the opposites, as it seems so I'm missing a neutral, when the opposite of evil is equal to neutral, as in not stabbing a guy, is good by being the opposite of stabbing a guy. But the neutral coma test is of equal value. Oh, I see what you mean. Right, so this is um, uh, the idea that uh, respecting property rights is the good and violating property rights is the evil. Well, yeah, Of course, of course, I I, I think, and this is a a, a shade different in terms of the coma test, but I think we could all recognize that there is a greater virtue in resisting a temptation that you're capable of achieving. Let me sort of say that again. There is a greater virtue in resisting a temptation that you're capable of achieving, right? So if some guy loses 100 pounds uh, on a strict diet, we may admire his, his willpower and his resolution and uh, and, and we say, you know, good for you. However, if it turned out that he lost this weight because he his plane crash-landed on a desert island, we would have sympathy for his predicament and his plight, but we would not necessarily admire to the same degree his willpower because the food was simply not available for him. You know, he was on an all-coconut-and-fish diet, <laughs> and therefore uh, he lost uh, all of that weight. Uh, somebody who stands up to his boss... Uh, is the unjust actions of his boss, uh, we would look at you know, some co-worker in a meeting uh, stands up very strenuously and, and admirably to a boss who's making unreasonable or unjust or immoral demands and we say, wow, that guy's really got, you know, cojones of molten lava and then we find out that uh, he won the lottery that morning <laughs> and he's worth $10 billion. That may change our perception of his courage just a little bit because he is no longer dependent upon the job for his uh, for his income so i think we can all recognize that having the opportunity is uh, is is a good thing so if somebody comes up to a bar in a bar and verbally insults you in some hideous way and, and continues to do so and let's say that we respect you know the the non-aggression principle to the point where we say well you can't punch someone for verbal aggression and if if somebody walks away, then we would say, well, that was a, a, a significant act of self-restraint. Uh, verbally taunted, gets up and walks away, doesn't respond with, with violence. Well, that's a significant act of self-restraint. However, just walking out of a bar is not a significant act of self-restraint, I guess, unless you're an alcoholic or something, right? Similarly, if... if um, if I'm in the the bar next door and I walk out, that's not a big act of self-restraint because I'm not the one being verbally aggressed against. So if there's no provocation, if there's no temptation, I think it's tough to say that there's a great virtue in not uh, doing wrong. In in the same way that, I mean, that was what was so strange about Winona Ryder shoplifting, which is she's, she's worth a huge amount of money when she did this, I guess, gosh... Almost ten years ago now, I would imagine uh, she stole five thousand bucks from I think Bergdorfs in uh in California. I only know this because we were on a bus tour in <laughs> hollywood. And it was mentioned uh, as we were upstairs in the open air, double decker bus ducking tree branches and the occasional raindrop because it was such wonderful weather while we were there so uh opportunity is is has something to do with it uh, we don't uh, necessarily say that uh, a rich man faces the same temptation for stealing. As a very poor and hungry man, right? So if a man's worth a billion dollars and he buys an apple, we don't consider that quite as virtuous as a starving man who offers to work for the apple rather than stealing it. uh, Because the rich man has much less temptation to, uh, uh, material temptation to steal. So uh, the respect for property rights, I think that there is a scale of virtue that goes up and up, the greater temptation there is to violate property rights. In other words, to overcome the temptation is, uh, uh, is really, really good if the temptation is very strong according to objective means. Now, clearly, the coma test, uh, there's, a, there's no particular temptation uh, in the coma test because there is... Uh, uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't go steal something when you're in a, uh, when you're in a coma. So... Um, it is a necessary but not sufficient criterion for great virtue. So uh, uh, somebody who's in a coma test is not violating anybody else's rights uh, and is not doing any bad things, and I think that's good. However, as uh, somebody who resists a great temptation to do immorality, as uh, somebody who is offered a great deal of money to betray his values uh, and um, and doesn't uh, do so, then uh, I think we can say that's uh, That's a good thing. Or as a friend of mine used to say, (laughs) people who were mad at other people selling out are really mad because they never got offered a decent price (laughs) to sell out. Uh, So I I think that the the opposite of the violation of somebody's rights is at a bare minimum the coma test. But I think that we have... Just admiration and greater respect for somebody who is actually faced with the moral temptation, who overcomes and resists it. Right. So, uh, a, a man who is uh, married, uh, who is um, uh, a lighthouse keeper on an island somewhere, <laughs> I don't know, for six months of the year, where nobody ever comes, uh, we don't necessarily say that this person is greatly virtuous for resisting the temptation to uh, to sleep around because he has no no one else there to do such things with. On the other hand, uh, somebody who is a, a rock star, uh, who has women throwing themselves at him night and day, uh, can justly, I think, be great, more, uh, more greatly admired for resisting the temptation for infidelity. And that is sort of where I would uh, go with that. That The opposite of an immoral action at a, is, is at its bare minimum the coma test, but in, in reality, Right. We I don't admire somebody for not strangling some kid in India he doesn't even know. I don't sort of say that is the summit of moral achievement, because that would mean that the summit of moral achievement is achieved by everybody except that guy currently strangling the, the kid in India, right? But where somebody is facing great moral temptation and through their values overcomes or through or who acts with great positive force in spreading morality in the world, who acts with, with it's certainly how I guide my actions, right, in sort of deciding whether I wanted money or the excitement of uh, begging for a loose change on the internet. Uh, it was about what is better to spread philosophy, what is more important, and what is the greater role that I can play in society. In spreading philosophy, that was sort of how I guided my decisions. I, th- I certainly respect myself more for having made that decision a few years ago. Uh, I have great respect for that decision and great pride in, in making that decision and pride in the way that I continue to push forward uh, a, a virtue and truth in the world. And uh, yet, of course, I would not have been immoral if I had decided to keep working rather than do philosophy full-time, but I think that, uh, for me, at least, greater moral self-praise accrues to the gamble that I took, which, again, thanks to your generosity, is, uh, is paying off so very well. Oh, one last thing. I've uh, finished the book Against the Gods. I finished reading the audiobook, and some kind listeners are uh, checking it out, and... Um, uh, Greg, did you want to jump on for a minute or two and talk about uh, and talk about the book? Give people a a wee teaser.
1: Hello, yeah. Hello. Sure. Well, I I'm not quite finished. I have like 30 minutes left. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing. I really like it so far. It's I mean, at first, kind of impression. This wasn't necessarily my thought, but it was my thought of what others would think of it. Is like, oh, atheism. There are plenty of those books around, but really, it goes. I mean, it takes a way more principled approach, I think, to the problem of God and uh, gods and sort of starts from first principles. So I really like it so far. And there's some cool stuff about the subconscious and how it relates to God.
0: Good. Well, I'm certainly glad that that you like it and uh, it should be out uh, this week, I would hope. All right. So I'm happy to take questions. Thank you for your patience as I went uh, through some of that stuff. I'm certainly happy to take more questions on uh, UPB, but uh, if you have any other questions, um, uh, that would be uh, great. Hi, Steph. Hello.
2: Hello. Hi, Um, I had the pleasure of talking with you and asking you a question before about uh, buying government bonds and uh, if it was an immoral thing to do or not. Um, And that was in FDR, um, I don't have the number here, Uh, 1745. It's about a month ago or two months ago, I think. I recall. Um, Sorry? Uh, I do recall yes well and um so the you told me that uh, it was um Uh, not an immoral thing to buy government bonds because uh, firstly the the state has stolen a lot uh, uh, from everybody and if you would make a profit on government bonds you're just taking something back Um, um, and also you said uh, rightfully that um, uh, the the state has destroyed a lot of investment opportunities and therefore uh, government bonds um, can be uh, the only a way to um, uh, have uh, profits in a certain climate Uh, you didn't say it with those exact words but that's uh, my interpretation of it which is also true Um, and thus you said that it was uh, okay to buy them Um, I had a a, a big discussion about this with a, a friend and he is here also, and um, uh, he does not agree, and I would love uh, to hear uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, your opinion on his opinions. So here well,
0: I... put him on. Let's, let's hear the case.
3: Okay.
2: Hello, I'm here.
3: Can you hear me? Hey, I sure can. Go for it. All right. Hi. Um, yeah, I did have a long, a long discussion with uh, my friend. It's been going on for, for some time. And uh, uh, perhaps my suggestion will be, before we dive into the the arguments, uh, just to give you a a little bit of background to um, why why I think this discussion is so important. Um, I've been listening to FDR for about 12 months. And... uh, I was, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I, I used to spend three, four hours a day listening and I went through four months of therapy and it, it really uh, changed my life a lot. Uh, I I um, abandoned uh, quite a lot of toxic relationships. I met a, a wonderful girlfriend and uh, I'm, I'm as happy as, as, I've, as I've ever been. Uh, and these are the things that um, um, I have the pleasure of talking to my friend, uh, maybe we can call him <laughs> Mr. Bond, <laughs> um, about. I mean, we talk a lot about personal relationships and those kind of things and how we struggle with our, our uh, friends and family sometimes. Uh, but but this issue has come up because both of us are professionally involved in uh, in giving people investment advice. Um, and so um, maybe this is, is is a little bit of a, gives it a little bit of a different angle as to um, how the discussion seemed to have come up when uh, my friend called in about a, a month ago. Because, uh, well, first of all, to us, it seems it seems different when you are uh, advocating, uh, for example, purchasing government bonds as a as an advice because you are like uh, you're promoting and selling it um so that was that was one thing um, but um just to to continue on the the personal growth uh, avenue why I think it, this is so um, important is that in in my opinion an investment choice is also um is is very comparable to what you do with your personal life. If I make a decision to uh, invest my time somewhere or to invest in relationships, uh, it's a moral choice. But I think the same goes for what I decide to do with my, uh, the, you know, the capital I I earned with uh, the the labor I do. So, um, I mean, I did want to I want want to pick up again and maybe as a last little bit of background. Um, um the, the contrast was, or the initial conflict was, that my friend uh, was an advocate of the, um, um, the permanent portfolio of Harry Brown, and that uh, I'm much more involved in uh, uh, hard assets, uh, investments, meaning, uh, well, basically... I'm sorry to of- interrupt, but uh, just for uh, the sake
0: of time, if you could get to the actual moral argument, uh, I would yeah. really appreciate it. Okay, I'm sorry. Thanks, no so, problem. Uh,
3: uh the the argument you gave was if um if you uh, um make a profit out of something the government offers then in fact what you're doing is you're taking something back that they've stolen from you is is that is that still your your argument well uh, no
0: uh it's not quite that simple because There's no way to know that you're stealing – I mean the money that gets taken from you in taxation goes into a common pool, is spent on a bunch of stuff, is used as leverage uh, for – or is used as assets for foreign uh, lending or borrowing from foreigners or borrowing from domestic banks and so on. So it goes into one big whirlpool and and then you take stuff out. Uh, Of course, there's no – there's no there's no way to know that it's your money that you're getting back. Uh, I mean, there's some proportionality, I suppose. So it's <clears throat> what I'm saying is that it's not the same as stealing something back because there's no direct property line to to what it is yes. that's been stolen from you. But uh, you are in a state of nature, and uh, I don't think it's uh, immoral to to invest in government bonds. But my fundamental issue was that it's just not that important. It's just not big that big a moral issue. Uh, so, so that would sort of be, uh, you know, it, I don't think it's great to to do it. I don't think it's bad to do it. It is a sort of state of nature thing, and of course there is an argument to be made that if you don't invest in government bonds, it's not like the government, it's not like the government then cuts its spending, right? So if you say, okay, I'm not going to take ten thousand dollars and buy government bonds. The government doesn't go. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'm going to uh, reduce my spending by ten thousand dollars.
3: What happens is the government simply prints money
0: for. I'm
3: sorry. sorry. Well, Well, the government simply prints money or
0: uh, borrows more money, and then uh, uh, that actually hits other people who may be able to afford it less, right? So if the government prints more money, then inflation hits people the most on fixed incomes, who are of course the poor and the elderly and so on. So. By not buying government bonds, the argument could well be made that just shifting a financial burden to other people who can least afford it, particularly the unborn, because what the government usually does, rather than just print money, although it does that a lot too, is it just goes and borrows money, which creates an obligation for the next generation. So you don't solve the problem of immorality by not investing in the government. You simply defer it to other people who you could argue can afford it less.
3: Well, yeah, but maybe that's, I mean, that's already far down the line because we're, arguing a, a bit from a fact it seems uh, but but your your one of the arguments you you um you put forward to my friend was um, that well you, basically you government you treat the government like you treat the mafia i mean as, as much as you can you try to ignore them and so uh, if you have to pay taxes uh, y- you do because you don't want to end up in jail but if if the local mafia is uh, doing a fundraiser and uh you know promising a, a very steady return then i do have the choice uh to to not invest voluntarily and uh, i think i think it's only the right thing to do to say no uh, why well because it's like uh, it's like uh, you you are you're sponsoring—you're sponsoring, uh, you're sponsoring a, a mob of gangsters. and well, uh, okay. So let's say. That, okay. Well,
0: let's, hang on. Let's it's say like this. Let's say that the. Hang on. One. Oh, sec. You made your point. Let me say this. Um, so, if the mafia uh, uh, steals all your money and you have no food, and then the mafia throws a free a free buffet for everyone in the neighborhood, do, should you go and and get some something to eat?
3: Well, it's not like that because if you have – if you have, couples, No, 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 no. Uh, hang on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, just I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not saying – I'm, not saying the, I'm
0: sorry. sorry. We can't yeah. both talk at the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's exactly the same. I'm just saying would it be okay for someone if the mafia took all their money and they couldn't afford food or mm-hmm. let's say the mafia took all their money and they couldn't afford good food and then the mafia threw on a big sumptuous buffet, would you criticize the person for going and getting some food at the mafia's buffet?
3: Can I ask to clarify? I mean, how? I mean, because it's all good food. It's kind of a kind of a fuzzy concept, but but I'm going to agree for the sake of argument.
0: Okay, so so this person is obviously just getting some value back for that which has been taken from him.
3: Um. Yes.
0: And he doesn't have to go. Let's say he's not starving, right? Let's say. he doesn't have to go, uh, but he's yes. going, and he's going to get some benefit back for that which has been stolen from him. I, I wouldn't say that I, – see, the thing is I, I don't know why the hell you're focusing on the morality of the guy going to the buffet and not the morality of the state, right? I don't know why you'd focus on the moral choice of the guy who's maybe grabbing a few crumbs from the buffet table of the mafia rather than the fact that the mafia stole all his money to begin with. I mean I just think in terms of prioritization – That's like being a doctor and someone comes in, you know, with a a cut off arm and you say, "Uh, gosh, let's let's check and see if they have any hangnails. You know, (laughs) I think in terms of the morality, forget about the choices of the guy who's had half his money stolen. Forget about his choices. They don't matter. What matters is the fact that you've got this monstrous, bloated, violent entity stealing half his income. That's the only thing that I want to focus on in terms of morality,
3: because if you solve
0: that problem, the other problem becomes moot moot
3: well sure but i mean the, the the problem is there, and the government is there so wrong options and the own choices that are available so i i do I, I would i would argue that it's uh it's 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 an important, i mean it's um it's 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 a, it's a valuable topic for debate because uh definitely because there's there are many many other choices to be made where where you can put your capital and um and and i i don't see it as something I don't know. I mean you seem to treat it as something trivial. Well, it's, yeah, uh,
0: because I think I think just logically it is trivial. The the important thing is that the mafia shouldn't be stealing half of everybody's money, not what people do. And of course also the argument about um uh, the argument about investing in uh, government bonds is not specific to government bonds. It's specific to any benefit. So uh, you don't have to go To university, but in almost all Western countries, or in all of the ones that I know of, uh, universities are highly subsidized, or highly regulated, or highly controlled. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, would you say to people that they should not go to university because that's a government benefit that is optional?
3: Well, um, it depends if you can if if you can achieve what you want to achieve. uh, If if I mean if your goal you want to achieve is is depending on the diploma. If, it, if it's not, I, w- I would argue against. It's, right. So I, if I somebody doesn't it's, it's want to upper, become a professor, beneficial. they should not go and to, to the
0: university. If they don't need the license to, to practice a profession, they should not go to university.
3: Uh, if I would argue that?
0: Yeah. If, that's your, I'm sorry. That's your are you asking if
3: I would argue that? Right. Well, right. Uh, I think so, yeah.
0: And you realize that there's, there's literally thousands of examples of, of taking, quote, benefits from the state that you don't have to, Right. I mean, people can bicycle uh, yeah. rather than drive a car, and that way they don't pay the government uh, a gasoline tax or, or licensing for their cars or whatever, mm-hmm. right?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely would agree that it's, 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 a, it's a spectrum, and it goes from, from very, very minor things to, I mean, like, for example, the other side of the spectrum would perhaps be uh, becoming a politician or becoming a, a civil servant. So and and uh, of course it's a subjective debate whether this these per, I mean using so say you have a million dollars to invest if you invest half a million in in uh, government bonds well it's a subjective argument to say well how far down the line is it uh, in in terms of uh, I- immorality
0: okay I so what but what you're saying with the with the university thing is that it's it's an effect it, it the, there's no principle it's the effect right so. If you can't be a doctor without going to a government school, then it's okay to go to a government school. In other words, it's the effect that matters, not the principle. Um, so if you invest in government bonds and use the profit from those bonds to found a free market think tank that does very well in terms of videos and, and publications, then, then it's okay, right?
3: Well, if- I mean, I can't hide the fact that this is what I do every day. And I, I would just argue very pragmat- pragmatically that you can, if, if you have a long-term perspective, you can, you can get uh, the same and much better returns if you invest in, 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 in different things than government bonds. Uh, my, my friend said, well, he said in 2008 there was a crash and then the, the bonds did plus 18%. And then if you invested in, for example, just uh, you know pure gold, physical gold, it would only be plus 8%. And then I would say, well, uh, it's, it, uh, you know, so just like in your personal life, if, if you invest in, in uh, integrity and, and, and truthfulness and all those kind of things, then sometimes you are going to have to take a temporary blow. Well, that's the way it is. I might make less money in the end by uh, not becoming a, a banker, for example, and uh, by choosing to give people uh, independent uh, financial advice. And then, yeah, it might, it might mean that, materially speaking, I, I won't be as, as wealthy in the end. But I do think that I will be happier. And I would argue that investing in government bonds is, is going to, I mean, you're, 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 you're sponsoring uh, an organization that is harming millions and millions of people, if you think about it. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I certainly understand that
0: argument. Sir. I think that not buying government bonds won't have any effect on the size and power of the state fundamentally because mm-hmm. there's just so many other people who will do it. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think that there you have to weigh the effects. I certainly agree with you that there's a scale, right? So uh, I think there's a difference between um, investing in government bonds and becoming a soldier or or a policeman. Mm-hmm. I think that those two things are not the same. I think that we do have to find some balance about how we live in a statist society, um, mm-hmm. a society that we did not invent. Um, I took government loans to go to university and my university education was subsidized by the government. I think that I'm making good use of the education and skills that I got in undergraduate and in the graduate degree field where I think that I'm doing a pretty good job of, uh, in a sense, picking up the weapons and using them against the masters. I am completely comfortable with my decision, though uh, it certainly could be argued that um, uh, my degree, uh, my degrees were not necessary. To do what it is that I'm doing, um, I'm Harry Brown. Uh, did it mm-hmm. without his degree. Mark Stevens does his stuff without a law degree, and so, or I guess Harry Brown had a, an investment uh, degree or an investment certificate. So it certainly could be argued that it was not necessary for me to uh, uh, to to go to government-sponsored school, uh, and therefore uh, I was um, uh, supporting in some manner uh, the state uh, or, or justifying the state, uh, uh, and so on so i think uh, i think everybody has to make that decision about where that line is for them there's no line that can be gl- drawn very clearly and very objectively mm-hmm. about that sort of yeah. stuff uh so and i you know uh, i think that there's some degree of aesthetics there's some degree of necessity there's some degree of circumstances and those circumstances can change over the course of your life uh, so i think it is a tough question to weigh and to balance my only suggestion is I just don't think it's that important a moral issue. Uh, I just don't think it is. I think that uh, I sit to myself and say, well, I gave the government a whole bunch of money by um, driving out to give a speech uh, on uh, the evils of statism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used government roads only one way. The other way, they were too bad. I had to use private roads. Um, Of course, I paid government uh, gasoline taxes. Uh, I have a license for my car that gives more money to the government. Uh, I paid... Uh, when I bought my car, oh, those 12 years ago, I gave a lot of money to the government in forms of taxation. And uh, and so, and of course, to earn the money to buy the car and to pay for the gas, I have to pay taxes and so on. So I, I'm giving the government a lot of money to go and um, give speeches when I fly down to, to California or to Phoenix or uh, whatever. Uh, I pay, you know, hundreds of dollars in taxes for my airfare. So I'm voluntarily giving the government a lot of money uh, in order to... Uh, I don't know, spread the word about freedom. But let's say I wasn't (laughs) going to spread the word about freedom. Let's say I was just going to go and uh, uh, get a tan and and lie lie on the beach and play with my daughter. Well, am I Uh going to sit there and say, well, I'm not free to go and fly to a beach because it's going to give the government some money? Well, fuck that i don 't mean fuck you, I just mean fuck that i 'm not yeah, sure. going to sit here and you know, <laughs> say well i can 't leave my house i can 't use the roads i can 't go on an airplane i can 't buy gasoline uh, i can 't do this i can 't do that because that 's giving the government money. Well, that seems to me to be surrendering a whole point of a whole bunch of freedom that i don 't actually have to surrender surrender so sure. for me it 's like I make my rational calculated decisions. Uh, I am try to live as if there is no government. Now, you could say that means buying no government bonds or whatever. But no, if I want to go on a vacation and I have to pay off the thugs to leave the airport, okay. I'll pay off the thugs uh-huh. to leave the airport and I won't think twice about it because that's called having freedom. If I sit in my house – and I know I'm arguing from absurdity and I'm not saying this is your position. But right. if I sit in my house saying, well, I'm not going to give one thin dime to the government – in in taxes or benefits or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to buy any government bonds, even if that's the only decent return that I can be guaranteed of to have some kind of retirement because the government is stripping me of all of my money. So I'm not going to have enough for retirement if I don't get some sort of security. And the only security I can get in any reasonable time frame is government bonds. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, I can't take government bonds. I have to risk a retirement catastrophe and having no money and living on cat food because of my principles. Well, I just think, uh, I personally think it's too soon for that in the movement. I mean, I I know that's an odd thing to say, but uh, it's earlier than most of us think in terms of this movement. When I was at the Libertarian Party yesterday, uh, thanks to everyone who came out, they were were very grateful that so many listeners came out to see me speak, as was I. But um, outside of the FDR listeners who came, uh, a guy was giving a speech, he was a professor, um, and... uh, he was saying, yeah, I gave, a, I gave a speech to the Libertarian Party uh, about 20, 20, years ago, twenty twenty five 25 years ago. And uh, you were about the same size back then, <laughs> right? It's still really early in, uh, uh, in the movement. So uh, if we had more people, right, if, if we were a significant portion of the population and, uh, you know, mounting some campaign against government bonds would have some sort of practical effect – I I think maybe you could make that make that argument but uh, I just don't think it's particularly important. I mean you may want to say to people stay you know that the practical consequences of government bonds is that you're going to get an increase in taxation, right? Because the interest on in government bonds is paid for through increases in taxation. So you can say to people look if you buy government bonds you're simply uh, signing up for future tax increases but if you don't you're probably going to have those tax increases anyway because so many other people are buying government bonds anyway so i think you can make a practical argument i just don't think that there's a moral argument to be made one way or the other uh, but i certainly think i can certainly understand why why you'd want to not buy those bonds i don't buy them uh, but i can so i can certainly understand uh, why.
3: Um, well th- that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot uh, to 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 digest let me let me just uh if if i may if there's time um Oh, well, hang on just a sec. I just want to make sure we get to
0: other people because we spent quite sure. a bit of, uh, of time on this. Let me just ask if there are. Um uh, other people who wanted to uh, to pick up. Look, and I, I'm not saying that I've clo- closed the case or that you're wrong or anything like that. I'm just, and sure, this is just sure. a debate back and forth about perspective. So uh, just if we if we end this, I just hope you don't think that I've, I think I've dusted my hands at the whole topic and emerged <laughs> victorious. I don't believe that for a moment, but uh, I just wanted to. I'm sorry, we do have some people in the queue. So if you don't mind, uh, mull it over. Uh, you'll could I, have could come I just add uh, 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 uh,
3: just a very brief uh, point about where I do think it has an indirect effect. Uh, if I if 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 I may, I think it's it's one minute maximum. Sure. Okay. Uh, Well, I I do think indirectly it has an effect on uh, on personal happiness, and I think in the end, I agree definitely with you that that's uh, that's the most important thing. Is that if I um, if I as as an investment advisor, if I advocate. Uh, the, the purchase, uh, people uh, with people that they purchase um, you know real things real tangible things in the real world that are productive and and actually give psychological profit to uh, to people and, 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 and you know give them uh, you know whatever they need for their lives um, then i 'm going to have a harder time these days to to sell my things uh, than my friend who might be uh, advocating government bonds and I might have um, uh, a harder time selling things, but the the big benefit for me will be that I can be honest about what um, the you know what what this the, the government is is uh, is doing I, at least i think I feel that i I would have, feel less restrained to be very critical about uh, what 's really going on rather than uh, to, because if if I sell my permanent portfolio i 'm going to have a lot of people aboard who uh, you know, might not be into these kind of uh, hard nose arguments. So that, that would just be just a small thought that I can actually select my uh, customers, um, be more selective with with who my customers are. If that makes I any sense. I quite agree.
0: I right. quite agree. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate yep. that. And James, if you wanted Thanks to hello. queue up the next person.
4: Hey, um, I had a comment on um the current conversation or the one you just had with um that one person it was a uh, that it, it sounds like a lot like uh like something that you could apply to um your your parents or something you know because the government and um parents are pretty it like the government is um projection of parents but um My idea was that it sounds like a lot like something that I was going to that I was thinking about recently, which is that um, I was talking recently. Like I started talking to my mom again um, to get money, like for therapy and stuff. And uh, I was struggling for a bit with guilt over the decision. The argument for my guilt was much the same as the caller's argument, which was that by taking subsidies from my parents, I'm sponsoring or excusing their their uh, behavior their abuse of me and my siblings
0: right 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 it could be it could be for sure um and so and there's lots of practical consequences i mean if if the only reason you need therapy is because of the abuses of your parents having them pay for it uh, there's an argument to be made for the reciproc sort of um restoration justice of that if that makes any sense
4: yeah yes um yeah, like wh- why not if if uh your parents are going to to pay for the therapy and you need it then why not take it? And so like it's kind of like with the government like if you need food stamps um why not take it, right?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, you would much rather have had the kind of parenting where you didn't require therapy, right? So this is not something you would have chosen, and we would all rather live in a world where we didn't have to choose about um, uh, whether to invest in government bonds or not because there would be a free market and we'd be so wealthy that we wouldn't need to, to think about those kinds of things. So uh, in a sense, we're, we're debating about the lesser of a whole series of evils, and my focus is, say, let's not put the moral onus on ourselves. Let's remember to focus on the, the true source of the evil rather than uh, focusing on, on how we're responding to it. You, much rather, uh, you would have much rather, of course, had parents where you didn't require extensive therapy to recover from their, quote, parenting. Uh, but that's not the reality of the world that you have, and therefore, I think that the moral choices become. Much- I wouldn't
4: need therapy or, or or need to figure out uh, where my career is going at, at the age of twenty or whatever, or or ha- or I would much rather not have a government that steals my money to where it's like like having stolen thirty percent of my income or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: that's a good, take-
4: to where like I need food stamps or something. I don't
0: know. Yeah, no, Um, I I quite agree with all of that, and I think that's again as we sort of wrestle with these dilemmas. I just think it's just very important to remember about all of that stuff and uh, to keep it in focus. In white, she's got black hair. Sorry, we still have some talking from somebody else. Uh, Was that? Was that? Was there anything else you wanted to mention about that?
4: No, that was it. All right. Okay. Thanks.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, I believe we have somebody else uh, on the horn. Uh, I think that's me, Stefan. How how are you? I'm great. How are you doing?
5: Hey, uh, great. My name's Pete. I uh, I just started uh, listening to you just a couple days ago, and I think I've had uh, a lot of your streams going nonstop. I, I'm in agreement with with a lot of it, but that would be kind of a boring discussion if I talk about <laughs> right. uh, the economics that uh, that uh, I've actually advocated for a while. Um, what I really wanted to ask you about, and uh, if it's okay to to wet on cue as far as our conversation, um, uh, I watched a. Uh, a thing that you had up in new hampshire um about atheism um sunday morning might be or actually afternoon might be a an appropriate conversation i've, I've met a, a couple atheists um and i've just been a, uh, i haven't been as convinced as um uh at the uh at the the logic behind behind their stance uh would you um you know maybe just provide me with with your your basis for for the uh uh, for the belief in it, uh, from what I gathered from the um, from the interview or, or radio show that you did up in New Hampshire, I think it was Pork Fest. <laughs> uh, it, it sounded like you were an advocate of it, and I just um, I don't know. Maybe we could uh, begin a discussion based on your stance, and I could give you mine. Is that is that appropriate?
0: Sure, um, I would be very happy to talk about that. Um, is there something in well? Can can you tell me what's not convincing about what you've heard, just to make sure that I'll avoid stuff that hasn't worked for you already? <laughs>
5: So, certainly um i've i've um i've met a few atheists and i've i've almost prided myself on the ability without you know forcibly trying to convert them but but being able to to try to find a bit of a flaw in the logic in, in which they they advocate um the lack of a god um what I would usually start out saying and and please uh point out if if this is um if this makes sense at all um you know, I would typically ask, uh, you know, OK, so you, you're an atheist. Excellent. Um, uh, how would you explain, uh, you know, the, the universe? And, and actually, let's, let's just have the conversation right now. That would be your cue to, you know,
0: right. aside from a God. So you would ask me how, how I would explain the universe?
5: Right, exactly. You know, just, I mean, a couple of words. Most people say, you know, well, well God created it. Or, or if they're an atheist, they have some other explanation. I was, I was just looking for yours.
0: Well, I'm. I would. I would reply that I'm. I'm not sure. I. I'm not sure. I see why the universe needs to be explained. Uh, tell me what you mean by explain the universe, because I'm. I i do not know what that means.
5: Um, <laughs> the uh, the existence of it, and 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 forgive me to to ask for answers uh, on any of these questions is uh, is uh, is not necessarily appropriate. It's we're not. No, really no, it's perfectly fine.
0: It. I, I'm just not sure what what explain. The universe again i 'm just not sure what that means
5: it's a broad question, and i, and I don't blame you for uh, for asking for clarification uh, as far as what answers what limited answers you might provide and, and get by with on your day to day for where you know all this came from i i 'll give you an example. Uh, a lot of people that i 've discussed this with will say something uh, you know oh well if it wasn 't a god then 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 it was it's all steamed from chaos or 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 random events. Oh, sorry. Do you
0: mean sort of the scientific explanation as to the origins of the universe? Right. That can go hand
5: in hand. I find that, you know, science is often linked with philosophy. So just, you know, any of those things, I've actually just been very curious as to what other people's explanations are as far as they can take them are, and especially with atheists, so.
0: Well, again, I, I'm not an expert uh, on on sort of early early universe physics. Uh, my understanding is that you know uh, there's there's a lot of debate about the scientific origins of the universe, and some say that there's a big bang. Others say that it's more uh, that matter can't be created or destroyed, only converted from one form to another. So there's more of an eternity in uh, 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 in the origins of the universe. Uh, so I sort of withhold. My judgment uh, as far as the origins of the universe go, simply because uh, it's like I withhold my judgment about time travel, right? It's like, how yeah. do you explain time travel? Well, it's in the process of being explained. Uh, I mean, to take a silly example, I don't know, uh, where, that, uh, you know where that comes from. I, I do know that the honest admission of a lack of knowledge has far greater intent, integrity than the pretense of knowledge. And when people say a God created the universe, they're talking entirely out of their armpits because they have no idea uh, and th- th- it's not an answer at all. It is a complete non-answer to say that a God created the universe, right? So if, um, if you say to me, where do babies come from? And I say, some incomprehensible being that can't ever be explained, who lives in a dimension that has never been experienced, can't be explored and makes no rational sense, creates babies in a way that can't ever be explained and can never be known about – and uh, can never be scientifically explored or understood, you would recognize that I was just basically saying, I don't know. But exactly. A <laughs> so deity on top, right?
5: Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, this, this might be a conversation that's better had over a beer, you know, off live radio. But uh, as far as uh, voicing what, what you might be thinking, but uh, I, I completely understand. And I've actually found that, that in most cases, if I ever, you know, bring this, uh, this uh, discussion up, uh, it's the definition of of what a God is, you know, as you said, an alternate dimension or something. I, I was actually really thinking the mere act of having someone creating it is in it, it. Having a God create anything would kind of, in a sense, be a bit of a flaw. Because if you were to think of something that was eternal and kind of an all thing, uh, it would not need to create because it would already be and have always been. So I feel like the definition
0: yeah, look, understand. if if it's basically if we accept that something could exist without being created, which is God, then we don't need God because we can accept that the universe exists without having been created. Uh, and so, this uh, in, in injecting an eternal thing, which does not need to be created, to explain how an eternal thing that is created gets created, is logically ridiculous. I don't mean your position. I'm just saying that it doesn't answer anything. Uh, and the question needs to be left to science. Uh, and and fundamentally, it has uh, no bearing. On, uh, on our current lives. Where the universe came from has no bearing whatsoever on, on our current lives, the moral choices that we need to make. I think it's a huge distraction. And, and as I sort of mentioned in the debate, what happens is God gets, always gets pushed further and further back in time to something we don't know. So wherever the edge of human knowledge is, God is just over that horizon, right? So if we don't know uh, what causes epilepsy, then it's the devil, Right. It's possession. Right. And that's where the supernatural beings live. And once we figure that out, then we go somewhere else. And and if we don't know where morality comes from, then God wrote some shit down on a tablet and threw it at a bunch of Jews. And that's where morality comes from, which doesn't answer a goddamn thing. Or if we don't know where the animals come from, then we say God created them. Now, once Darwin explains or evolution explains where animals come from, well, God moves off there and he goes somewhere else that we don't know about. And now we know where the world came from. We know where the solar system came from. We know how physics operates in deep space. We know uh, what makes the sun go. It's not God on a Big mountain bike cranking up the flames, it's a permanent nuclear reaction. Like right? So, true. wherever the edge of science is, wherever the edge of human knowledge is, these goddamn theists just push God right over the edge and say, Well, that's where he is. But for me, there have been about 10,000 goddamn things where God has been. And then the moment we switch the light on and find there's no God there, he just moves to the next dark space. <laughs> and so, the only dark space that's left is. The three milliseconds before the Big Bang or whatever happens back there. And you know what? That's just 10,001 places the light's going to be switched on and no God is going to be found. I'm just tired of this – not yours, but I'm tired of this repetitive argument that, you know, (laughs) God lives in the clouds. Oh, wait. Clouds are just water vapor? Okay. God lives in the lightning. Okay. Lightning is just electrical charges from static in the clouds? Okay. God lives in the constellations. Oh, wait, the constellations are just distant stars. Okay, it's a sun god. Oh, okay, the sun is just a nuclear explosion. Okay, God lives here. It just goes on and on and on, right? right and yeah. so I just get tired of this stuff and I recognize that it's just a kind of con game. Not your con game. It's just a con game in general that theists keep, wherever we don't know shit, that's where they stuff a big bag of God, and then whenever we find that out that there's no God there, they just move that bag somewhere else, and so I don't care what happened at the beginning of the universe it's a technical question that has no bearing on our daily lives, let's say that there was a God we find there was some supernatural being who created the universe, well, by definition then he's no longer supernatural because he's explored by science what the hell does that have to do with the price of tea (laughs) in China, or how we need to organize society, or how we need to raise our children I mean, I really don't care what happened 20 billion years ago uh, in some distant galaxy, it really doesn't matter in terms of how – it certainly gives no justification for an interventionist, vaguely hippie, bearded Jesus dude with nice abs who walks on water and raises the dead and <laughs> drives pigs off cliffs and heals lepers. with the, you know, It has nothing to do with any of that. So, um, so that's what sort of, I just – it doesn't matter. I don't care. Let's leave it to the physicist to figure out. But I guarantee you there's going to be no God there that has anything to do with organized religion.
5: Interesting Now, I'm, I'm in agreement with a lot of things that, that you just said. Um, I'm curious though, uh, the, the fact that, that we, we couldn't find it or the fact that you know it doesn't impact our, our day-to-day lives as far as you know us being able to get by and, and order a cup of coffee every morning, does that necessarily uh, mean that it doesn't exist? I, I kind of correlated the universe itself to being sort of a godlike thing. Having the two as separate doesn't really make any sense at all. Um, and so no, but not the word, thinking, sorry
0: to interrupt. But the word "God" is a very specific thing, right? The word "God" doesn't mean you know soap dish or tripod or wall picture, right? Wall hanging. The word "God" is is a very specific word. So when somebody says that consciousness can exist without matter, well, that's a self contradictory statement. That that cannot work, right? Ma- ma- <laughs> consciousness is an effect of matter, right? Is and it? Uh, yeah, because you know, you need a brain. And then you have, you have consciousness, right? Consciousness can is you truly, really matter. be aware
5: of like anything else is consciousness? No, I'm just playing devil's advocate and asking this question because you, you can't really know much else except for what you really feel, right?
0: I'm sorry. I'm not sure what you mean.
5: <laughs> the, the, the one uh, thing that really got me into philosophy was the fact that you can truly, really not know anything except maybe how you feel. So uh, to, to kind of say that something else sorry, does not have –
0: you can't know anything? Right, exactly, which is why this no, whole argument is going
5: to be sickle, but I was really just trying to pick your brain on it.
0: <laughs> uh, this is the Cartesian argument, right, right. from Discourse in, I think, Second Meditations, where he says that he stripped away every certainty he had until he had only the one certainty that he himself was uncertain, that, 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 <laughs> that everything in the universe could be controlled by a malevolent demon and manufactured for his delusion. All other people could be a dream and so on. But the one thing he was certain of was that he was thinking. Right. This is the root of, I think, therefore I am. And um, this is a sort of, I guess, a radical skeptic uh, approach to uh, to the world. And is that what you're um, that's the
5: only one I've ever really been uh, even convinced of just because, you know, the the curse and the blessing of being able to ask questions is that, you know, if if you ever find an answer, it's never really truly an answer because another question could be
0: asked. So, uh, yeah, are you saying sorry, are you saying that two plus two is four is not. An answer.
5: Um. Well,
0: I don't know. That's kind of tough. Uh, I really, is it really? Is it really tough? I mean, <laughs> didn't we all get this right no, in grade. Well, the view? thing is,
5: I always ask, you know, questions. Is that as far as you know, two material things adding into two other material things? No, no, right? no.
0: We're just talking about the mathematical uh, right. uh, argument that two and two make four.
5: Right. No, I, I can agree with that.
0: So you're hundred percent certain of that? Uh, from my perspective. <laughs> Sorry, what do you mean from your perspective?
5: As in, I don't know, someone who might not understand math would not accept that as entirely true.
0: Well, but that doesn't have anything to do with the actual truth of the matter, right? There are people who think the world is flat. That doesn't mean that the world is flat, right? There are crazy people who think that uh, bat wings are sprouting out of Barack Obama's armpits. That doesn't mean that we should go and check, right?
5: <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but those are ridiculous. <laughs> But I ridiculous is not a
0: philosophical difference. argument, right? <laughs> exactly. Right, so uh, I, I, I look, I appreciate the skepticism, I really do, and I think skepticism is a very healthy mental attitude to have, and Lord knows I've managed to pull down enough false gods in my lifetime to know that uh, philosophy is literally littered with the bones of deities and cultural delusions and nationalism and all sorts of nonsense that I was trained into growing up. So I appreciate your skepticism, but I think that you want to be careful about taking too much of that medicine, right? Yeah, I, uh, I think that uh, no antibiotics is good. A thousand antibiotic pills will strip you of all useful bacteria as well and you, know, you will be dead, right? right. So I, I think that you want to take those skeptical pills in measured doses and I think that you do want to try and root yourself in things that that are true and 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 if you have doubt about that, which again I can understand as a radical skeptic you would, then you need to be an empiricist and, and i've got a whole introductory introduction to philosophy uh, it's on the um, it's on the podcast page it's a whole separate feed if you want to go again my arguments you you may disagree with them, but this is how I sort of overcome the skeptic position. If you have doubt about what you believe, then the first thing you can do is look at your actions right so for instance. You are talking to me now in this conversation, which means that you accept, at least for the moment, at least during this conversation, you accept that I exist, right? Certainly. I mean, you don't think you're having a conversation with a very bald head puppet, right? I assume yeah. so. I assume that's not. And you certainly, and we know that because you couldn't predict what I was going to say next. That's not proof because I can't predict what's happening next in my dreams, uh, but that doesn't mean that my dreams are, are real. But it's, it's an indication, right? So you're having this conversation. You also accept that electricity is objective because that's what's being used uh, along with some other mechanics to to transmit our conversation, you accept that computers exist, uh, you accept that quantum mechanics, at least to the degree to which it supports the operations of the computer, is valid. You agree in physics, you agree with gravity, because I assume you're not currently clinging to the ceiling, <laughs> having <laughs> floated up like a helium balloon. right? So if you have doubts, which are perfectly reasonable, uh, about existence, reality, other people, and if you get sucked into the giant flaming jaw <laughs> of the Cartesian demon... The way that you can escape that, the grappling hook that hooks you back to reality, is to look at what you're actually doing, and say, well, what are the things that I will have to, that I have to accept in order to do what I'm doing? Now, I can say that those things aren't true, but I'm acting as if they are true. And if I'm going to act as if something is true, I at least have to accept while I'm doing it that it is true. Right. right? So if if I see a car bearing down on me on the road, and I jump to one side then I have to accept in the moment of jumping that I believe that the car is there, right? Because if on the other hand, I'm just watching a movie where a car comes screaming down the road, (laughs) I'm not going to dive off the couch and through my plate glass window (laughs) because I'm afraid that the car is going to drive out of the screen and over my uh, chip-stained body, right? (laughs) Or (laughs) disbelieve its existence when you're seeing it in real life, right? (laughs) Right, right. So if I'm going to... If this is just a, it's just an integrity thing for me, and I, I hope you, I'm not accusing you of a lack of integrity. I'm just don't, talking don't about worry. ways in which I approach this. It's just I, I'm not going to I'm not going to act as if something is real and then say to myself that it's not, because that creates a contradiction between action and belief, and a contradiction between action and belief is a lack of integrity or in moral matters hypocrisy, a moral hypocrisy. Which again, I'm not accusing you of. I'm just saying this is my solution to the problem so if i'm going to have a conversation with you which i'm very much enjoying and i hope you are as well i'm not going to say to myself i don't think he exists because if i don't think you exist i'm not going to have a conversation with you because that would be crazy <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane <laughs> right so uh so i try not to do things that don't be crazy is sort of the motto of <laughs> of the show i suppose no it's uh, like, so uh, that's no the person. way out is to simply look at what you're doing and, and, uh, and everything that, that uh, is, is required for you to act as you act must be true. Uh, otherwise, you would be do- doing something different. And if we have that uniformity or conformity, I suppose, between the thoughts that we have, that which we accept, and that which we are doing, it brings us a great deal further to, I think, a very productive kind of certainty without throwing the skepticism out of the window, if that makes sense.
5: Right. No, certainly. Uh, And, you know, if uh, it's like uh, Lou Reed, I don't know if you listen to him at all, but uh, you need a busload of faith to get by. Uh, Faith, uh, excuse me. But, um, you know, all these assumptions that, you know, we have to make in order to keep ourselves from from rocking and drooling in the corner, uh, you know, and not not uh, thinking that the ground is going to fall out from under us every every moment we take a step. uh, Completely agree with that. And and I, you know, for one, continuously try to uh, convince myself not to pursue this, but my my curiosity is always just you know looking a little bit further. Maybe we could find some answers. Uh, I I seriously doubt it. I've actually that's the one thing I'm almost certain of. But uh, but well, really, sorry,
0: let me just interrupt you for a sec. I just want to ask a, a more personal question, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now it could. Sorry, the, mm-hmm, I wasn't sure if you do or don't mind, and I said no. If you no don't yes, want to ask so a I do, if you mind. You do mind. Do ask away. <laughs> All right. Um. Look. I, I, when you have beliefs that are troubling to you, and look, I, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb by saying that radical skepticism is a troubling belief, right? Yes. Because as you uh, say, how do I it's know the planet is gravity isn't going to just reverse itself or the planet isn't going to turn into, uh, I don't know, one of uh, uh, Joe Montana's sweaty flaming balls or something, right? <laughs> I, I don't know, right? Uh, so it's a troubling belief. Uh, and And it may be that this is a justly earned philosophical perspective coming from a neutral place, which is something that I've yet to experience or see in this world, but let's just say it's possible. But there is another possibility, which I'll uh, I'll just talk about very briefly, ask you some questions, and maybe it leads nowhere, maybe it leads somewhere. Great. Um, What was, how was certainty portrayed to you? Or how did you experience certainty when you were a child?
5: Um, that's you know that's a, that's an interesting question that the you know the definition that I've been wrestling with for my whole life basically something that's certain is something that cannot be disproved essentially so um so uh, let you know, me uh, let me
0: ask the question because uh, you you're looking at it in isolation with yourself right when we we're a kid we have parents we have priests, we have extended family we have teachers and depending on the constellation of beliefs that we encounter right they can reinforce or disenforce, I don't know what the opposite of reinforce, weaken. It can reinforce or weaken particular perspectives, right? So if you grow up in a Muslim family, clearly Islam is going to be reinforced and Zoroastrianism is not, right? Uh, atheism is going to be weakened and theism is going to be strengthened, right? Right. So the particular constellation, and it's individual to every child, even within the same family, because there are siblings uh, and of course, each the birth order and parents level of energy or or or, or exhaustion uh, depending on the birth order, depending on family circumstances, <laughs> even within the same family, there is uh, a different constellation of factors which strengthen and weaken certain beliefs within us, and this is what we arrive in adulthood with is a constellation of encouraged and disencouraged constellations of belief right and i think that it's very hard if not impossible to gain real wisdom and self-knowledge by merely looking at the philosophical perspective as if it came from nowhere as if it didn't come from particular patterns of enforcement and weakening of belief structures we were exposed to or which perhaps were inflicted upon us when we were children does that am am i making any sense at all this does make sense Okay so when I'm talking about what your experience was of certainty when you were a child what I mean more is not what you thought of it but what were you exposed to in terms of certainty and skepticism as a child
5: um interesting well i had a i had a, a pretty stable childhood my 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 parents actually had a bit of foresight as far as as you as you mentioned the energy going into each different child um uh with uh, having a, a great amount invested into myself i 'm completely in agreement with with all the things that you mentioned as far as how important a childhood is in terms of developing uh, a mind in its adulthood and i was i was i think i was blessed with with a really uh, Caring family. Uh, there was a lot of certainty and stability in my life. Is am I answering this correctly, or should I?
0: Ah, uh, it's not. There's no correct or not. I'm just asking. There's right. no. That's. I mean, this is not a. Not even multiple choice. This I'm just right. curious what you're saying. E. All of the above. Um,
5: no. As far as certainty goes, it's just been. It's been something that I've. Uh, you know, like my 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 family was never like late to to pick me up, for, and like I was uncertain of a time. You know, stuck at school or, or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this. This is a tough question. I, I feel like uh, I might be missing it right now, as far as how do I. Do you can... mind if
0: I ask you some some questions to jog, jog you along? Perfect. Yes, please do. All right. Um, were you uh, exposed to religious teachings?
5: Uh, yeah, my my mother was a, was a Catholic, but I I spent most of my time in, in, in church actually thinking about how it didn't make sense. <laughs> so uh, I I, t- I took those stories as a kid and. And, and went back and forth between, you know, atheism and, and something. And I just ended up finding some sort of neutral path as far as, you know, believing that something must have created it because it was greater than myself.
0: All um, right. So hang on. Let's again, I just want to draw back from the philosophical perspective, which sounds odd from a philosophy show. But again, I think roots of, the roots of belief uh, need to be examined before rational conclusions can be drawn. Is your mother certain of uh, her religious faith? Yeah, I think
5: she's the one in my family who is certain of
0: that. Right. Okay. So, again, this is just Marcus and things in terms of self-knowledge. I think Socrates' first commandment, know thyself, is is essential. So you were exposed to a certainty which was wrong. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's important, right? I mean, and, and sorry, and not only was that certainty wrong, but it was transmitted to you as if it were true.
5: Yeah, but uh, there's... I'm be- sorry,
0: and let me just explain what I mean by that very briefly, which is that uh, I am an atheist, uh, I am an anarchist, which are all conclusions, I think, of rational philosophy, but I am not going to send my daughter to atheist anarchist summer camp. Do, do, you, see, do you see the difference? I mean, yes. I think I have really good, good empirical, objective, rational arguments for my opinions, but I'm still not going to inflict my certainties on my daughter because she needs to think for herself so not only was like is your mother wrong in her faith but she put it on you she was so certain of it not only for herself but she was certain of it to the point where she sent you to church to be told these things as if they were true
5: right well that's something that um i I should interject as far as how the whole dynamic was uh, one thing that is prevalent in my family is is a good sense of humor. And uh, uh, while she did uh, want us to learn um, the lessons of, of you know, the Catholic faith, it was never something that uh, she demanded of us. She was just something that she, she liked us to join her, uh, you know, on some Sundays, but it was something that we all kind of joked about. So it was never really really uh forced upon us or anything like that might
0: wait, wait 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 wait! no no this doesn't quite fit this sounds to me like a bit of a story and i'm just i say this not knowing you so i apologize for the presumption okay. but um you say that you spent your time in church thinking that this was not true right
5: right i i actually just you know thought they were stories
0: <laughs> right but you also knew that that's not what they were being presented as right Right. And that's not they, what your your mother didn't say. Let's go to Rapunzel camp, right? To right. learn about Grimm's fairy tales, right?
5: Exactly. But that's coming from people, from other people, and I ne- necessarily believed that even though they believed it, that I was necessarily uh, that it was true because everyone believes different things. I kind of learned that early on.
0: Well, <laughs> well, no, it's not quite what you because your mother's wasn't just a belief; it was a certainty.
5: And again, how can I be certain of that? I feel like I might have answered prematurely.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's again, I'd want to stay away from the philosophical and just stick <laughs> with personal, if you don't mind, because I mean, fine. the philosophical, I've got tons of arguments out about that. What was your relationship to your mother's certainty in terms of your own communication with her? Right. So did you say to her when she'd say, how was church? Did you say, well, I don't believe this stuff, but you know, they're fun stories.
5: We never actually really talked about it. It was something more that we would attend her with uh, and, you know, nothing was really said and and afterwards it wasn't really discussed.
0: Is that strange? It wasn't really discussed makes it sound like a third party thing. My my question is what would be the consequences of being honest with your mother about when you were a kid about your experiences in church?
5: Oh, right now?
0: I I don't. No, no. When you were a kid. Right. If you would said like, did you want to go to church? Oh, no. (laughs) Right. Okay. So if you said, look, I I don't want to go to church. I don't believe this stuff. It makes no sense to me. And so I'm going to opt out.
5: Oh, okay. So that happened all the time. And and I had I have two younger brothers uh, and we we were actually more often than not not going to church. So it wasn't like a, a, a ritual thing. It was something that, you know, every once in a while we'd get out there. Um, and afterwards we'd get some, some donuts or something to, to incentivize us to go, but it wasn't really something that there were, there were consequences for if we didn't attend.
0: Okay, so a lot of times you wouldn't go to church, but sometimes you'd get donuts to go to church. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sugar, sugar form of heaven in the here and now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you have conversations with your mothers about your skepticism about uh, what was being said in church?
5: Not really. More with my brothers.
0: And why didn't you have those conversations with your mother?
5: Because I felt it was important to her.
0: Okay. Uh, so uh, you felt that uh, she would be upset or well, I, I, if, you, if you were honest about your experience?
5: Not even upset, just more sad. I mean, I've never really seen it as something that I needed to bring up. Uh, it's like, you know, shaking the faith of someone who's lived most of their life with something like this just because, you know, you've been born into uh, an era where there's uh, free
0: thought ranging everywhere. Um I oh, never, come on. Look, I mean, don't tell me there was no such thing as atheism before you were born. Come on.
5: Oh, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, it's just... Uh,
0: it's, a, it's an old and noble tradition of skepticism about religion going back 3,000 years. It wasn't oh, yeah. invented with you or I, right?
5: <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, she grew up in an Italian family with like seven sisters. Uh, I don't know how much choice she had, you know, going into that, so...
0: Well... um. I, 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 the, the, I think people have choices. I, I really do. I think right. that no matter what circumstances or environments, there are still choices that uh, that people can have. Although I do understand what you mean about sensitivity and so on to 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 upsetting someone. Right. But I think uh, what you said was that you know this is her belief, and and everybody believes different things. And so for you, your mother believed in religion, and you didn't. But it was kind of, like, if I understand it correctly, uh, it was kind of like. I like chocolate ice cream, she likes vanilla.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good way of putting it, actually.
0: Right. And you see how this kind of compromise, and we, we may even call it a necessary compromise, will ha- would have pretty profound effects upon your philosophical views.
5: Right. The fact that it was kind of nonchalant, and I, I see what you're saying.
0: And that that I think is is an important thing to know because you don't want to start building your edifice of philosophy on a sort of black hole absence of self knowledge about the factors influencing your philosophical preferences right sorry, right. that's a shitty way of putting it, you know what I mean right yeah yeah, you want to make sure you build your castle on rock, not on sand, to use a biblical right. <laughs> metaphor, which may be appropriate, right. and i think if if the fact that in order to maintain your own perspective you had to in a sense downgrade your mother's faith to a mere personal preference right in other words certainty was downgraded to mere preference
2: right. in order
0: for your certain your preference to have any room right because if right. if your mom was right about religion and you know god existed and you were drinking the blood of christ and eating his flesh in that weird cannibal ceremony that the catholics and, do and
4: right,
5: and, and
0: if you know jesus would've... did come back from the dead uh, smelling all kinds of 3 days old and stuff <laughs> then uh, then then you would need to change your skepticism to right in the same way that when I was a kid, I thought the world was flat. I found out it was round; it blew my gourd. <laughs> like I think, oh my god, I'm going to fall off. I, I looked at that picture uh, in in the um, in the yeah, textbook, and I, I found England, and it was like, dude, we're on an angle. Why doesn't it feel like we're on an angle? <laughs> like it didn't make any sense to me. And then I went to Africa when I was six, and I I thought I'd need gravity boots or, <laughs> or something yeah. so it wouldn't fall off the bottom. I mean, it just it blew my mind, right? And I think as kids, you know, you find out the sun's going to burn out, and it ruins your whole day, if not your whole week, That's right? <laughs> and uh, so th- those were examples of my perspective or my belief was that the world was flat. I was told that the world was round and I abandoned my belief as incorrect and adopted the correct view of the world being round, right?
5: Right. One of them had to go.
0: Yeah, one of them had to go. But in your... A family structure all of them had to go right <laughs> well yeah in order for you to have a perspective you you either had to conform to your mothers if it was the truth you had to either or downgrade both theism and skepticism or theism and agnosticism or whatever you had as a kid to opinions or the reverse would be true in which case your mother would have to conform to atheism
5: Right. If, if There's I, only
0: those three possibilities, if that makes any sense, right?
5: Right. If I, you know, cared enough to push myself onto her beliefs, but I was really just thinking about myself.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> See, you've gone back to relativism again, right? Because right. you said to push myself on her beliefs. In other words, damn it, mom, you really should like chocolate ice cream and not vanilla. <laughs> like impose but, my subjective preferences on my mom in a fundamental <laughs> act of primordial bullying, right? But we're not talking about that. I mean people didn't impose the world is round upon me. They told me about it. They made the case. I accepted the case, and it was true. It, it wasn't an act of imposing personal bigotry upon me to tell me that two and two made four. It was just the identification of an objective fact, right? Right. But do you see how – and this is why uh, even though we're talking about it and you're beginning to see the effects, which this has nothing to do with, with whose argument is right. This this simply has to do with exploring the factors that may have led you to this kind of skepticism. And so even while we're talking about it, and I say, well, then you would have to um, have your mom conform to the reality that there is no God, or try, then you immediately went back to, I would then be pushing my personal preference upon her.
5: Um, Oh, interesting. So in order for one truth to hold forth, I would have needed to um, (laughs) show her the light. Is that
0: well, it's not show her the light. Uh, you would just, I mean, because it, 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 it's not. I mean, I, it's it's sort of hard to say how to put. Just, just tell her the truth that there are, no, there are no gods, right?
5: But but see, that's that's the word God, and we come back to it. I, I really have appreciated this. Uh, you know, delving back in because who else am I really going to be talking to this about? Um, as far as, you know, where the core beliefs stem from. But um, the belief in in nothing or even, you know, no God still kind of makes me think that there's something, whether or not it's something that controls the, the one, the one, what is it?
0: No, look, look, I just, I understand, right? So this is like a deism, like there may be something out there or the origins or whatever. Even if we accept that that's true, that has nothing to do with the interventionist, formal Roman Catholicism that you were exposed to. Okay. Right. So even if we say there's some higher intelligence that we can't uh, totally rule out that may exist somewhere in the universe, that we may come in contact at some point in the future, that has nothing to do with Jehovah and Jesus and, uh, and Moses and company, right? Okay. Right. Does that, does that make any sense? Like, no, that's not, like I'm, saying, well, I'm, we may come across some space alien in the future that has really long hair and lives in a castle. That doesn't mean that that's proof that Rapunzel was prophetic, right? Right, right. It has nothing to do with the historical transmission. What, whatever happens in the future, whatever we discover that there's hyper-intelligent, dimensional beings ordering the moons of Sirius' third planet, it has nothing to do with what sun-baked Bedouins wrote down 5,000 years ago, Right. <laughs> Even if there's something that's coincidentally true, it has nothing to do other than coincidence or perhaps tourism from those guys visiting our planet 5,000 years ago. It has nothing to do with the religion that is taught to children, right? Right, right. So so her faith in that religion is – even if we accept the the, the deist argument, your mother's faith in that religion is not rooted in reason and evidence. Uh, Yeah, I would assume. (laughs) And in fact, reason and evidence – uh, you know detonates it right right and that's the challenge and and so what I'm saying is that your philosophical perspectives well, you know I'm not saying I've closed the argument for rational empiricism and certainty blah 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 I mean I've made some case for it and, and you can review that at your leisure as you like Right. but I think if you don't know the degree to which there was a pressure upon you as the free thinker or maybe your brothers as well as the free thinker that there was a great pressure that in order to maintain your own beliefs, you had to downgrade the beliefs of others to opinion because you were not in a position emotionally or or uh, just in terms of the family hierarchy. You weren't in a position both. to 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 bring the, the truth to those around you. That is going to have a huge effect on your philosophical. And, and again, it's, it's not proof or disproof. Activism. We're just saying that if you don't know that influence – then uh you can't really be objective about your beliefs interesting
5: so the rel- relativist perspectives that i you know hold would stem from the fact that i saw others as just perspectives
0: well that that was all that was available to you as a child right that you disagreed with your mom and i assume your dad because it doesn't sound like your dad did a whole lot of agnostic interventionism either <laughs> Uh, he was but, more uh, the philosopher, actually.
5: I'm sorry? He was more the philosopher, so he's where I got the, the sense of humor from.
0: <laughs> well, I would say that the job of a philosopher is to fight error, uh, the same way that a, the job of the doctor is to fight disease and the job of the nutritionist is to fight bad eating. So uh, if your mom uh, escaped unscathed with her uh, religious fantasies and your dad did not intervene in order to to correct those, I would not necessarily say that he was a philosopher. Now, well, again, that well, could be arguable. that's just my perspective.
5: Right, right. And not necessarily not intervene. He just, you know, did it in his own sense by discussing science with us and philosophy afterwards. But to try to change my mother's opinion over something might have just gotten him uh, some some fight that he didn't necessarily need to need to go into it with. Whereas he Now, could... I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to point out um, something that you you did again. I don't know if you noticed the word that you used about your mom. What was it? What did, how did you describe your mom's faith?
5: Um, did, I, did I say certainty or something?
0: No. Uh, you said, um, to change my mother's... What was the word you used? Belief? Perspective? Opinion. opinion. Right. Do you see how you have to downgrade her certainty to a mere opinion in order to have room for your own? Right. Difference of belief. In other words, you have to downgrade... God exists and loves me, and we're going to heaven. And we, here's the rituals we use to get there. The moral obligation for obedience and, and fidelity to the word of God, which assume is more than just an opinion of your mother's. Because if it wasn't, you you didn't go to uh to, to the camp called you must uh, worship chocolate ice cream, right? Because that that's a mere preference. That is a mere opinion. Um, but this this faith of your mother's, she would I doubt characterize it as a mere opinion. I, I because opinion it. is sort of by its very nature an unfounded assertion based on prior prejudices right. or based on personal tastes that have no binding relevance to others, like I like ice cream. As opposed to
5: this is.
0: Yeah, so uh, I just sort of wanted to point out that the language that you use is to downgrade certainty to opinion. And and that's a consistency since since you and I started talking about 40 minutes or so ago your uh, your constant undertow, and I would say it's unconscious because you're doing it without realizing it, which is why I'm sort of stopping and pointing it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your unconscious uh, tendency, if not, <laughs> you could say mania, again, it's not a negative thing. It's just, it's, it's a very strong tendency, is to, whenever you come across a fixed opinion, is to downgrade it in your own mind, sorry, to a fixed certainty, is to downgrade it to a mere opinion. Uh, and uh, I think that's, uh, because it's unconscious, it means it comes from something quite early and quite Consistent in your life. And I think it's worth examining that. Uh, and through that, you can come to a more objective um, a framework uh, a, a, as to your philosophical beliefs. I think if it's stuff that we've just adapted to within our family, and uh, adaptation within a family is not always bad. I mean, my daughter has to adapt to certain things in, in this family, and I don't think that that's necessarily bad. I mean, uh, we also have to adapt to her. And so I think adaptation is, is not necessarily bad. I think adaptation to religious beliefs is not healthy. Uh, And I've made arguments uh, about that. I'm just about to release a book on atheism, which makes this case. So I won't bore you with it now, but you're welcome to check out the book. But um, uh, I would say that it's a really great challenge to own our own certainties. And if you have these perspectives which arise from or you have sympathy for as a result of adapting to your mother's religiosity, then in a sense, in a very real sense, they're not your beliefs, right? If I choose to learn a language, I own that language. If I just happen to be born in a culture that speaks English, I didn't, I don't really own English. That's just what I happen to be, you know, like I don't own being born in Ireland. I was just, that's where I, you know, that was the the piece of dirt in proximity to, uh, you know, mom's belly, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so I think it's really, really important. This is what psychologists I think call individuation right which is where we, we begin to own the contents of our own consciousness which means that we don't act on the momentum of history and we try to examine and understand the sources and roots of our particular perspectives so that we can evaluate them consciously rather than having us having them run our lives in a way that we're not aware of because that is to me not an act of self-ownership but an act of rolling down the hill in a sense of prior necessity, not present choice. Interesting. Wow.
5: Um, I didn't think it was possible, but I think I have to break the base down even further to get to the the philosophical groundings that I'd need to then build up, uh, you know, everyday thought on. But, um, I, I, I really appreciated this. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of the, the other guy's time because, uh, I know, um, We've been talking for a while, but I've, I've really appreciated this, and I've got to do some more thinking before I, I come back to you.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And uh, this is, again, I, I just want to reiterate, this is not to say that my arguments are true and your arguments are false. Prejudice can be true. Right, I mean, uh, people threw rocks and were able to catch them long before they understood the mathematics of physics. So the fact that you have this prior perspective does not invalidate the truth or falsehood of your beliefs. But I still think that they're not quite your beliefs in truth until you understand where they came from. So I just wanted to mention that at the end.
5: No, that's great. Uh, I I really like that perspective. And I'm going to take another look at it and and get back to you.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's great call. Excellent, Stefan. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, sorry for the last uh, caller, but we do have a little bit of time. If you would like to jump in. Oh, did we lose him? Oh, caller. Hello. Okay. Hi, okay. do you want to do this a few more times, okay. or do you want to How ask you a question? You know.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so is it sound okay now?
0: Uh, it's all right. <laughs>
1: Sorry about that. Okay. I just realized what was happening. I had like two different uh things. I was listening to, on the chat and on on the Skype as well. So okay, can you hear me now? Is it well now? How about you just ask the question? <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Uh so hey Steph, it's Juan. Uh we we talked uh we talked on the barbecue. Uh I remember few, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, It's been a crazy month. It's been a crazy month. I actually wanted to call in and just like fill you in or fill just uh, whoever's interested or the people that I met there and everybody just kind of what happened. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not really sure exactly why I'm calling, but I just really had this like I was like daydreaming about calling and just telling what's been happening for me and just just seeing what happened. So, um, so all all right, so all right, so about about a month and a half ago. Uh, I got into a really bad fight with my dad. It uh, got uh, over some really silly, just stupid thing, and uh, I'm not sure how much detail I'm gonna I'm gonna get onto this, but basically uh, he hit me. It wasn't too hard, but he hit me, and uh, I just I was just so frightened and so scared that I was like that I was just so afraid of what was gonna happen, whether uh, he was gonna attack me again or I had to like fight him back or something. I even got thoughts of just images of just like jumping up the balcony of my my, my room and shit. And it was just just so horrible that I was like, okay, I need to leave. And so I I grabbed the backpack and I put like a couple of jeans and I left. And uh, I basically basically just moved out. I just moved out about a month ago and it's been a fucking adventure, man. (laughs) It's been, it's just really, 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 really intense. I got an apartment. Uh, well, I'm living right now with a friend of mine. He's a he's a good friend of mine that I he, he actually went to the barbecue too. It's Kevin. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you met him or, or just uh, or, or yeah, you guys said hi to each other there. Um,
0: yeah, I think I talked to everyone at the barbecue. And listen, I just before yeah, you sorry. go on, I'm I'm so so yeah. sorry to hear about what happened with your dad. That is a a terrifying thing. And of course, if I remember from our conversation with the barbecue, it certainly wasn't the first time that you'd mm-hmm. experienced this kind of aggression. I just wanted to extend. Huge and deep sympathies that is a terrible terrible thing to face and i'm I'm so sorry
1: thank you thank you so much thank you um yeah there there's more there's more detail to it all and uh, I'm not sure I'm really not sure how much I want to go into it, especially like in in such an open um uh form kind of thing but uh and I, I would like to talk more about it but uh I just basically i don't know i don't know if uh, i'm I um I've been going through a lot of challenges. I've heard a lot about a, a lot from people saying that uh people who've gone done the same thing where they leave their abusive parents and all this kind of stuff, saying that there's like a backlash to all the abuse and like a backlash to the fences. And that they show up later on in their relationships and all this kind of stuff. I definitely have been going through a lot of changes in my perspective. Uh, it's, I know that's very vague, but... but Sorry, uh, let me just make sure
0: I understand what you mean. So you're saying that people have said that if you leave or take a break from an abusive relationship with a parent, that uh, it doesn't solve all of your problems, that you still have issues to work through. Is that right?
1: yeah that and uh i guess kind of the way that i see it is that the defenses are still so fresh that and and, and have like for me I, that right? uh sorry yeah that and uh, i guess kind of the way that i see it is that the defenses are still so fresh that and, and and have sorry about that no problem okay could you repeat that uh
0: yeah i mean you're saying that uh that, that the the effects of the abuse go with you when you leave it doesn't solve everything just to to take a break from the relationship.
1: Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that's very
0: true. That's very true. I mean, uh, that is very true. Uh, It certainly is, in my opinion, healthier to not be in a situation where there's violence. I mean, I don't think that even needs to be said, but it is sometimes confusing for people when it comes to family members. Uh, Violence is unacceptable in a relationship in any way, shape or form. And uh, so, but, but yeah, so getting out of the situation of violence is not the same as healing all of its effects. Right, right,
1: right. 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 So so yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I agree. Um yeah, that's basically what I, what what I thought about. Like it's just like there's still and, and also, okay, I'm see I'm not sure why why I'm calling, but um I have had like a, some like yesterday Okay, I just want—I just had something really, really strange happen to me this week. I think it relates to to this one, this one I'm talking about, to the the effects of, of of the abuse and the defense all that kind of stuff. I worked all week, like I worked like eight hours every day during the first like Monday to Friday, and throughout the whole week I was like, okay, I'm gonna go on Friday, I'm gonna have a conversation with my friends on, on FDR, and then I'm gonna listen to the show, and I'm gonna go meet with my friend, I'm gonna have all this fun, and then I came home on on Saturday, I woke up like, a, like a, let's say at like then i us say two or something. And then my friend who I was gonna hang out with, she like she was like, Oh, i I'm sorry, I'm not going anymore right? And then I just thought, Oh, how unreliable and disrespectful that is that she would just like not call me earlier and tell me. Like I had to text her and then she told me that, that, that it wasn't happening anymore. And I was like, Oh, how disrespectful, like how could you, why would she not call me early and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm I'm gonna have to miss and let's do it or some other time, right? And then I thought, Wow, like this has had a huge effect on my friendships. Like I have some friendships and people who just don't I just, there's just very little respect. Right. And I just hit, like I just got depressed and just got into my head for like three or four hours, just, just thinking and thinking. It was just horrible. Right. And then, I, Oh my God, it's like, it's like my emotional st- status. is just up and down, up and down. Like there's days when I'm happy and just jolly and just socially hot talking to everybody and there's days where it's just like poof, downhill. Right. And, and Oh man, it's, uh, it's, it's real unstable. And I, I don't know it, it, and 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 also just having moved being moved out and just like not knowing like I don't even know how I'm gonna be eating in two months right it's like a huge adventure but it but it's like it's really uncertain like I don't have I don't know where the safety is gonna be right and I, also I don't even know what I'm gonna be doing for Christmas that really scares me and makes me makes me really sad too but oh
0: fuck right right yeah. um, what happened with your friend the woman who
1: canceled um. Uh okay, I texted. I was like, "Hey, uh, I'm really pumped for today. Like, I'm really excited." Uh, how about you, right? And she was like, "Oh, it's sorry, it's not happening, Like, uh, uh, something happened, and, and I'm not going there anymore, right?" Sorry, that's basically what she said. And then I was like, "Ooh, that bugs me, right?" And then I I sent her a message. So I was like, "Oh, I have, I have something to tell you." And I was like, "Oh, I need to apologize to you for something." It just got into this really awkward and com- uncomfortable because I wanted to RTR with her and be like, "Okay, I realized that I've been doing things in the relationship that I've." i don't know uh, it, it's pretty big i don't know i don't know if i want to get into it uh, uh, how, how much it has to do with this but um it just it just i wanted to work with her but i guess i wasn't i guess i wasn't uh i didn't i i, I knew that she was she, she wasn't capable of the rtr of doing rtr because she hasn't read rtr right so i was like okay i can't rtr with her so i want to have like this deep conversation but we were texting and i was like okay I like to have the conversation, but I don't want to do it through text. And then she was like, okay, well, we just whenever you want to tell me what you want to tell me, go come and find me. And I was just like, Ugh. so I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. Um,
0: well, so yeah, if- I mean, but um, uh, certainly it, did you feel that, um, did you sort of being like your dad when you got that angry?
1: Um, I didn't really get angry. I don't think it was anger. It's more like disappointment and just like, just like, like, um, like, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt, I felt, well, I felt disappointment and I felt like, like that's really annoying, They're really disrespectful. I think it did, uh, anger me a little bit. Um, I noticed that, I don't know how this looks from other people. I'm just gonna, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if I, sometimes I'll feel like I'm angry and then I'll clench my jaw. But I don't know. I don't. I don't feel the anger like I'm. Like I just want to punch something or like I want to yell or something. I just feel like I'm clenching, like cl- clenching my jaw. And I don't know how. Like how from other people, like f- if it looks like my face is red. Like have you seen that kind? No, right. No, I, I. don't really. Do, I don't think it was anger. Like I. I really. I really don't express anger as much, uh, which I think it's understandable given the environment. But right, right. But I don't think it was anger. No, sorry. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that somebody has to have read RTR for you to have sort of that kind of honest conversation about um, uh, about your feelings. Right. Right. It's not like, you know, somebody has to if they don't speak Spanish, they have to have studied Spanish for you to speak Spanish with them. I don't think quite the same is true with RTR. I wouldn't necessarily limit yourself to, well, they haven't read the book, therefore I can't uh, uh, I can't uh, have that conversation with them. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because you can lead people people. by example, like they can say, wow, that's really great communication, blah, blah, blah. And then you could say, well, you know, here's how I, you know, got got around to doing it and so on. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Lead by example from that standpoint. You're right. Okay. And uh, so you were saying that you don't know exactly how you're going to uh, deal with things. you said in, in two months, is that sort of like where to live and what to do kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really uncertain right now. Um, I have some money saved up. Uh, so I mean that I have like, kind of like a cushion to, to fall on. Um, I probably have about three, three months of rent, um, for sure. Um, I'm also going to school. This is the thing I have, I'm starting school in like two weeks again. It's like eight hours a day. It's, uh, it's pretty heavy, heavy, uh, workload, right. It's going to, it's like, a four-year course, you know, in together in one in a one-year course, and there's like ten months left still, and I'm like, okay, I don't have a I don't have a steady job right now. Uh, I have a job, but it's gonna be it's gonna end soon within like a few weeks. Like it's the the factory where I'm working right right now, it shuts down in like December the fourth. So by that time, I'm not gonna have a a job, a steady job. I know that there's some job. Opportunities like I could go do paint and I been I have a lot of resources and a lot of help people helping me out, which i fucking i love and I appreciate so much, but and people just helping me out with like Muslim and just give me resources and telling me oh apply here, apply there right so I know that I can make it I know that I can make it, I know that there's no fucking way that I'm going back to my dad's house but but it really is uh it really is um it really is uh a little scary i guess and and uh totally yeah
0: uh, has, you, has your dad um uh, has uh, your dad uh, uh, contacted you at all?
1: Right. He, he's. We've talked for like three times, and it's all been like he works at the same place that I work right now. So the only conversation that we'd had, had we've had was to be like, "Oh, hey, um, you work next week, right? Okay. Or hey, or, or hey, uh, you got some mail, uh, so uh, come pick it up whenever. Like, okay, right? But right. there's been no reference to it. And and he told my mom, and my mom lives in Colombia, right? Uh, I'm not sure if you knew that, but she lives in Colombia. And I, he told her that I moved out, and that's it. And, when, and my mom called me later. and was like, oh, why'd you move out? What happened, right? And of course. And you know, I asked her, like, did he tell you what happened? And she's like, no, she just said that you just kind of you guys had a fight, and he, he, you left, right? And I was like, well, right. Of course, he didn't say that he hit me, right? Or he didn't say why he told me, right? Cause, which was a fucking nasty horrible fight like he said some things that i just oh my god okay yeah yeah you're right you're right uh, my friends just reminded me that there's something that i think this is this has really been stuck stuck with me he said a few things on the fight during the fight that just really got like burned into my head and have been the source of a lot of despair like they just triggered despair in my life just yeah. every once in a while this might be somewhere that, that i don't that I want to go but it's an really important but he said after okay so um, okay, uh, I'm just gonna go through the little fight real quick. Uh, I was sitting down, uh, my dad had a, had a, like a, there was like Thanksgiving, we didn't go to Thanksgiving, so he was a little angry, but he was just like, he wasn't like expressing it. And then I I, I laid down on the couch where I was sleeping, and, I, and I, my sister asked me for my laptop, so I just gave it to her. And she went inside her room, and, um, and she locked the door. And then my dad came out and saw that I didn't have the laptop, and then he turned to her, her to, to her door and he said, uh, oh, turn off the light before you go to bed. and uh, don't break the laptop, cause you always break everything, right? And at that point, I just got pissed off, cause I felt like that's what he had done for like four years, and just crushed like little by little. Like I just, I just got angry at that point. I was like, "Don't worry about my laptop. Like I trust that she won't break it, right? I trust her with it, right? Which is completely true, cause or else I mean, I wouldn't give it to her, right?" And uh, he just got like, oh, you know, just got red and angry, right? And he went around me and he said, oh, let me raise my daughter however I want to raise my daughter. It's my, She's my daughter, all this kind of shit. And I, as, as soon as he said that, I just laughed. Like I was like, that's how you raise your daughter? That's what I thought, I just laughed. And then he said, laugh again and I'll punch you, right? And then he came, he like speed walked towards where I was and then he just hit me and I looked at my arm and all this thing happened. And then he just kind of, we kind of like, cat fight, fight and you know he just went back and then I was just like clenching my fist and just pumping adrenaline and then he started saying some things like you anarchist, the whole world hates you anarchist. Uh you're never gonna you're not gonna be happy like that. Don't you see that you're like destroying everybody's lives. You're destroying the lives of everybody around everybody around you.
2: Wow and I was just so
1: fucking oh I was just like listening. I was just listening and being like, wow that's this horrible, this terrible, right? and uh he left and then i just uh i just had like three or four cigarettes in a row and then i just tried to sleep but it was just barely possible and then the next day he said something he said some really nasty stuff too um um i actually can't remember exactly what it was but right now but those things like every once in a while they come back up to me they come back to my memory it's just like you you everybody hates you anarchists it's like oh fuck like I know that, that that he's talking about himself in a way, and by him hating what I've done, like just showed him how fucking abusive and crazy he is. But uh,
0: and he said that uh, anarchists was it destroy everyone around them?
1: Yeah, basically. He he said that that he said that I was don't he was he said don't you say you're not gonna be happy? He said. Uh, everybody hates you anarchists because you we've had anarchist debates for fucking years like since i got into fdr i've been debating politics with him and uh you know i, I got to a point where i was just like okay i'm gonna give up because this is just pointless around the about and year. would
0: you say that your father is an expert on happiness that he has achieved uh, oh. happiness and good nature and goodwill uh, and love in his life and therefore he has a good basis on which to lecture you about how to achieve happiness No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, He's got... I don't think happy people assault their kids. Uh, I think that's not really a a good standard for happiness. And um, I also think that people who are particularly parents, uh, who are uh, violent uh, and verbally abusive in this way, uh, have a pretty tough time saying to other people that they are destroying the people around them. I think that uh, violent and abusive and assaulting parents... Uh, are doing a lot more to destroy the people around them than somebody who has a preference for non-violence in human mm-hmm. relations, like yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You're right. Was, so it was him that was destroying people's lives, and he was just sort of like a projection, I guess. Right? I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, that would be my guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's tough to to analyze these things from a distance. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if if uh, when when people insult you. Uh, uh, let me sort of give you a tip here. As somebody who's, I mean, I've been the the the, the recipient of my share of, of insults in the world. Right. When people insult you, what they're doing is they're telling you the hell that they believe in. Mm. Mm. Right? So they're telling you the hell. Right? So I remember my brother once said to me, uh, these things, you know, this was like, God, I was, this is almost 30 years ago. And I still remember it. I still remember where I was standing. I, still, I, I remember him saying, uh, you, you, you're, just, you're just drifting away from everyone, and you're going to end up completely alone. Oh, my uh, God. Because of my philosophical beliefs. Right. Uh, and this was a culmination of a long and an ugly fight. But I remember that. I remember the peculiar intensity of his words.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And the, the truth is, though, that what he was describing to me was the worst thing for him. mm mm-hmm. Does this sort of make any sense? Now, uh, somebody, somebody, somebody can only tell you the worst thing for them if they've actually experienced it themselves. Okay. Right. Okay. So, if 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 I want to wish the worst pain on somebody else, it has to have been a pain that I myself have experienced. Right. Right. I, right. right. You know, like uh, I don't know, uh, take it a, a football straight to the nads. Right. I mean, that that's a pain that. You know, or having a kid of my daughter's age where at least once a day I get a good old canasta fest on my nuts, right? But um, you have to have have experienced the insult that you inflict on somebody else. Otherwise, it's all theoretical and it doesn't have that visceral impact, right? Right. So when people say to me, Steph, you are X, and they have that branding in your brain intensity, that comes from that kind of certainty, I know that they're describing or cursing me with the hell that they are currently living in.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does.
0: (laughs) So I'm just trying trying to write that. Yeah, the curse we give is the one we're living. Mm
1: -hmm. Right, right, right.
0: And so it, it, I can't. I, I, maybe this is a, a maturity thing. I don't. I don't think so. Maybe it is. I'm certainly open to that argument. I'm not quite at the place where I feel nothing but pity for such people. Right. But I right. do feel some pity when people descri- describe to me, even this in this oblique way, they describe to me the hell that they have carved out for themselves and the prisons and the guards and the devils and the pitchforks that they have burrowed and are now trapped within. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The most hatred that you get flung at you mm-hmm. is an attempt to cage you in a cage that somebody else is already living in. And I feel, I, I, look, the, the insults don't bother me as much anymore. I, it's, I, I'm not. I'm not like. A, I'm not a Zen cloud being that have no effect. But but mostly, I'm just like, oh, how sad. Yeah. Like how sad that somebody that that's the only option that somebody would have. Like how pitiful it is that, that your dad only has violence and verbal abuse. Yeah. In an attempt to resolve quote resolve differences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is that is pretty sad.
0: It's, I mean, look, I'm not saying pity. I'm not saying pity the guy because, look, I mean that's, I mean that's that's uh, that's ridiculous and un- unreasonable and and not healthy. Yeah. But no. uh, but it's a way of depersonalizing what he is telling you. Mm. I mean, his wife lives ex-wife lives in another country. He's just driven his son uh, away from home uh, through bullying and verbal abuse. I think that to say that the only problem in his relationship with you is your dedication to non-violent solutions <laughs> to social conflicts yeah. is insane. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's, it's like me, me punching out a friend of mine and then say, it's your goddamn gardening that's keeping us apart. <laughs> uh, the only problem is not the bruise of my fists on your face. It's the fact that you like the cranberries as a fruit and a band. <laughs> But in a way, but in a way, but in a way, he's actually quite right. And this is, you know, when there's an essence of truth in people's insults, that's when they have the most power. Yeah. Right. So he's saying that your devotion to nonviolence is destroying someone around you. Yeah. Is that not somewhat true?
1: Yeah, it is. It is it's true it is true it is so much true Uh, it's not the fault of my belief but it is true i mean it is it is since i started to listen to fdr and just try to be honest and with him and just not take his bullshit arguments and not take his bullying and just just actually like 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 not let him manipulate me with arguments like he would I don't know. I'm Just sure, could try to get an example, but it was it was after when I started to work on myself and work on my emotions and work on work on what I wanted and just just not let them control my life. It was then that uh, the fights just started to go, just get absurd, right? And where uh, the relationship just started to crash, right? So uh, does does that make sense? Um, does yeah,
0: that- it does. It does. Okay. It does. Right. I mean, when we genuinely live a life of non-aggression, mm-hmm. it really does expose the aggressions of people around us. Yeah. yeah it does. Where we, when we live a life where we simply will not put up with abuse in our personal relationships,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it does expose abuse in our personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Because abuse is so often covered up through compliance, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. That's yeah. why people say, "Well, no, I, I, I'm not going to get thrown in jail if I don't pay my taxes." It's like you're only saying that because you pay your taxes. Right. Because when you comply with abusers, it doesn't look like abuse because you don't get into those fights when you don't stand up for yourself, right? Right,
1: right, right. And, you and if you stand
0: it. up for yourself and you get into a fist fight with you, you punch him back and stuff like that, then the aggression gets so muddied that each person can blame the other and it becomes a sibling fight, so to speak, right? <laughs> Right, right. Whereas if you stand up for yourself in a non-violent way, the aggression of the other person, the abuses of the other person becomes mm-hmm. visible, even to themselves,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, that's the bigger one, that's the biggest one. Yeah.
0: You're right. And, I mean, there, there is a truth, right? So, I mean, if I were to guess, and of course, this is just amateur guessing, but if I were to guess, you know, he's saying, I am unraveling because your devotion to nonviolence is holding up a true mirror to myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way to put it in. Yeah.
0: And it's also a, it's a prophecy as well.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, I mean, certainly my brother's was, right? It's true. It, I mean, what he said 30 years ago was true. People are incredibly knowledgeable about the future. Right? Mm. Self-knowledge is an oracle, right? <laughs> right so my brother was was saying your philosophies will cause you your philosophy will cause you to dissociate from everyone who is around you when you're 16 right and he was exactly and precisely right
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah because of course you had to you you had to break those relations right or, or or what happened
0: yeah i mean the way that i uh, the way that I frame it for myself, I mean, I try, to, I try, try, try to be as accurate. I'm saying this, you know, I know this, but I, hopefully it will be of some use to you. Is that uh, I did not break any of my relationships. Right. Uh, I did not break any of my relationships. Uh, that's like saying, you know, when I dream that I have a million dollars and I wake up, I've lost a million
1: dollars. Oh, sorry, you're getting a little choppy there. Um, I'm gonna sure. missed the last phrase.
0: If, if I dream that I have a million dollars in gold buried in my backyard, mm-hmm. I have that dream at night. Right. If I wake up in the morning and I realize it was a dream, mm-hmm. I haven't actually lost a million dollars, right? right? Right, right. I didn't have it and then I lost it. It was a fantasy. It was a dream. Right. So I did not break any of my relationships because if they were relationships If we were related, if Mm. we were close, they could not be broken. Right. I I would not break them anymore. I would throw out a million dollars in a trash bag. Yeah. Right? I did not break any of my relationships. I recognized that there was no relationship. Oh, shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There is no such thing as a defu. Right. I mean, we use the term... Because we need something to 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 call it so right. that it's different from divorcing your current family right or your current wife, but there is no such thing as a defu it's it's a it's a description of something that is not real
3: okay. uh,
0: because if you have a relationship with your family, then you will not separate from them because you have a relationship. It has some degree of mutual benefit. It has some degree of intimacy. It, I mean, all relationships have their flaws and imperfections, but it's overall good. Like, you know, I don't shoot myself when I have a cold and I don't consider it a bad relationship if I have a disagreement with my wife. Right. 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 And uh, but what we're looking at is to say, what is it to be related to someone? Well, it's not to be afraid of them. It's not to, to, to defer to their whims for fear of violence. It's, this is that is not a relationship.
1: Mhm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's it's just it's just I mean seeing... when you
0: break up with a girlfriend, you don't end the relationship. You recognize that there is no relationship. Right. Right. The relationship can't be finished. It can only be revealed as non-existent. And that's the way I mean in terms of separation. That's that's the right. way that I have uh, experienced it and I just sort of throw that out so that uh, uh, it's it's more about a calm and rational, you know how, how I say um, i don 't say there is no God, I say, I accept that there is no God right, I accept right. the fact that there is no God. It is a calm uh, you know it is a calm reflection and and for me, it was almost like i was I was in my body but also outside my body, like an observer when I was in these at the ends of these illusions of relationships. It was like I was looking at a scene of me talking to someone and saying, is this a relationship? (laughs) Am I visible? Am I experiencing anything other than petty, false self, hysterical manipulation on the part of the other person? I'm experiencing anything other than aggression and defensiveness. Am I even in this person's thoughts as a sovereign human being, or are they just manically defending against anything that I'm bringing to bear? Is there a relationship or not? Or are they only having a relationship with their own defenses and avoidances? And irrationality. Right, interesting.
1: Well, oh, that's a great way. So for word.
0: me, I was just looking at it saying, is this a relationship? Because by God, whatever we define in the past becomes a sure path for the future. As long as I define that as a relationship, that's all I was ever going to get in this life. As long as I defined that shit as a relationship, that's all I could ever get in relationships Uh because that's what being related is but the moment I raised my standards and said no 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 no, no, it has to be a mutual exchange of value I have to be visible I have to like the other person I have to respect their beliefs admire their integrity I have to uh, be passionate about who they are I have to be curious I have to be enthusiastic about seeing them I have to have all of these things that by any reasonable standard would be what a relationship actually is
1: Mm-hmm. Right,
0: right. Right. And you have to look at that and say well you don't have to. It's damn worth it to look at it and say, Well, is this a relationship? Because if this is a relationship, then that's what relationships are.
1: Right. 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 Thank you, thank you for that. That's that's really that's really great. I'm definitely gonna gonna try to just gonna gonna apply that to my current uh quote relationships and see how that how that fits. Um, yeah, there's else that, you
0: know, I mean, it, it, takes a little time for people to get used to a new way of, of doing things, but yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think it's very important.
1: Right. Right. Um, a few, a few last thoughts are coming to mind. I know that we're over time, but a few last thoughts are coming to mind. And I think, I think I kind of, I'm kind of getting what I, what I wanted to ask you or what, I, what, I, what I'm calling right now. Um, throughout the past six, six or 10 months, even maybe a year, I've all I've been doing since I couldn't leave was just introspect, introspect, introspect. We go deep, deep into my family issues, all this kind of stuff. Just half my time during the day whenever, when I was not talking to somebody was just introspecting. And at this time I feel like, it seems like it's taken a lot of energy from my life. Like it, it seems like, like I wanted, I just wanted to ask you like, like for example, right before I said that I was this, I was, I, I was wondering I i remember a podcast that you, where you mentioned that that it was really important to empathize with like the enemy, I guess, or or with empathize with people who have no empathy. That that was like a really, uh, like was like a really important thing that, or I think you 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 portrayed it as a, a great feat yeah, of which was sorry, though. which
0: is just to be clear for those who are newer listeners, empathy yeah. is not the same as sympathy. Empathy is understanding where somebody is coming from emotionally, a sympathy is having tender and gentle and compassionate feelings towards that. Right. So if some guy is coming at me with a knife to empathize with him is to say, he really wants to hurt me. Right. Right. To sympathize with him is to say, I'm a bad guy. He should stab me. He's right in his feelings or whatever. Right. So I just
1: want to mention that. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then, and then after that, after I thought about that, I was like, okay, but is this really what I want to be doing? Like, I guess my question is from your, like, whatever you think about this, um, since I have so much stuff to deal with and so much stuff to worry about right now, what would be the the best way, what could I do to make my next few months uh, easier for me emotionally and just, cause I'm really trying to concentrate on my motivation what makes me happy because I was really on the edge. Like me for me, leaving, leaving my house and my dad was really a thing of life or death. Like it was, it really felt like, like I remember I remember fuck i remember I remember when I was grabbing I had a backpack and I had like I had two backpacks when I was walking out of the apartment and just going to get the bus and go to my friend's house. I really felt like I just left like a dragon's den like I was just thinking, wow, I just fucking defeated a dragon like I just survived this huge battle right for so many years, right. Right. And so I'm really, I'm really, I really want to keep my motivation going, and I want to be happy, and I want to enjoy my life, and just start living, right? But at the same time, there's so much stuff to worry about, and I, I don't know. I just, I just wanna, I just, I just, I just, I guess I'm, I'm afraid of the, I'm afraid of feeling despair, or just falling into depression, and just not, you know, being like stuck, you know. Oh, fuck. Just no, look, like, I
0: hear you, and look, there's there's no magic wand that is going to make everything okay. And I know that's not what you're asking, but that's if you have that expectation, then it's going to be worse, right? Because right, it's right. It's, a, it's a tough transition for sure. Right. The, the way that I uh, I can only tell you my own experience because I haven't okay. generalized this into a theory, but okay, I, I'll tell you what sort of keeps keeps me going mm-hmm. is that when I encounter difficulties in in my life, and Lord knows I do, like everyone, what I do is say. Would I rather be six again? (laughs) Because there's no fucking problem in my adult life other than dying. There's no adult problem in my life that is even close to the kinds of problems I had to deal with when I was four, five, six years old. Right. Now that kid... Me as a kid, he had some heavy, 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 heavy burdens, mm-hmm. and he had a long way to go before he got some freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how so about freedom? What really? I say to myself is, you know, I'm never going to face bigger problems in my life than I faced when I was five years old. Okay. And that helps me to keep things in perspective as far as difficulties go. Yeah. Uh, Particularly since, I mean, gosh, for me now, I mean, it's a decade, I think, since I last had anything to do with my mom. Right. And I still, like, I still to this day will think sometimes when I'm having uh, some troubles, I will sit there and say, hey, at least I don't have to go to mom's place. <laughs> right. Right. And that sounds weird, but it's, it's like it puts things in perspective. Right. Because right. my troubles now are troubles that I have chosen. Mm-hmm. The troubles when I was five were troubles that I did not choose. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That really, yeah. So to savor the freedom from aggression that you have from your decision, Mm -hmm. it's a bittersweet thing and there's times when it's hard and there's times when it's complicated and there's times when it's depressing and there's times when it's anxiety-provoking and there's Mm -hmm. times when it's enraging. Yeah, right. But the reality is that you have drawn a line in the sand around yourself saying, I don't do violence anymore. Mm. I don't do it. It's off the table. I don't speak that language anymore. I don't go to that neighborhood anymore. I don't do that. Hey, Now, hey, if your dad goes into therapy and your dad comes around, and, you know, yay, fantastic. (laughs) Maybe that's something that could be resolved. Maybe that's something that would be good. I wouldn't hold my breath, but who knows, right? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, So the troubles that you have now... Are the troubles of adjusting to peace.
1: Mm. Excellent.
0: Of adjusting to non aggression, of adjusting to non abuse. Mm. Adjusting to freedom, right? Adjusting to freedom. Mm. And yeah, adjusting to freedom sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It sure beats the alternative, which is not adjusting to freedom. That's right. That's right. Which is continuing to appease aggression. Right, right, right. So it's sort of like somebody says, uh, you know, you can get out of this wheelchair you've been in your whole life, but you're going to get some shooting pains in your leg as you learn to walk. How many of us would choose to stay in the wheelchair? Yeah, no. No. Now you'd get up and you'd say, like, fuck, my leg hurts <laughs> like a son of a bitch, right? Yeah. And occasionally that wheelchair would look pretty good. But fundamentally, the choice is to walk and walking hurts. Yeah. But who would trade that kind of freedom for staying in a wheelchair?
1: Yeah, I know. I don't want that. I wouldn't. No way, yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that one too. That was, that's excellent. I'm definitely going to keep that tool in the, in the in the belt, the belt buckle.
0: Hope so. And with that, I'm afraid I have promised my daughter we're going to take a oh. chucky e. cheese, so I'm afraid I oh. must stop talking about good parenting and <laughs> <laughs> do something. So uh, thanks for the call, and I'm so sorry about what happened. Um, man, good for you um, for not putting up with that kind of violence, and um, I wish you nothing but the right. best. And uh, I think that you're on a good path.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate everything, everything that you've done, and and just this conversation. It's really, you know, it it really keeps me moving. It really, it really helps me a lot. and keeps me more motivated. So thank you so much. All right. Um, take care. The best. Sorry. Le- um. I just wanted to ask one last quick question. I, I this this might be complete gossip, or I don't know where this came from, but I got the idea that there was going to be some sort of. Reunion you to something with you guys on on Christmas? And uh, I mean, if that's happening, um, I'll buy the tickets right now. But, <laughs> but oh, I'm just thanks. Wanting... Yeah, no, we
0: we've talked about that. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, because of the amount of travel that we've got going on this fall, uh, we're not getting back until sort of mid December from Phoenix, and so it, we won't have time to plan. It's it's a lot of work and a couple of thousand bucks to have people over for Christmas. So we probably won't do it this year, but we certainly will hopefully do something before the barbecue next summer. So probably something uh, late winter. Okay. Okay. So will keep everyone posted about that.
1: All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Steph, and you have a great day, okay?
0: Thank you. Thanks, man. All the best.
1: All right, bye-bye.